This here's the podcast crew. We're hauling up at 901, about to hit the airwaves. Ready for cocktails? Cool. Characters? And the explosive relationships? You'll only find in cocktail? Well, rhythm. Your blenders? Or an earful of cocktail? There's a place the world's most popular cocktail podcast. That's where you want. Fans of cinema cocktails will find much like. That is, if you're not some no good yuppie. Breaker, breaker, good buddy. Expect in-depth analysis, breaking news about the cast and crew, a little barman poetry, and we'll even have a few of Coglin's laws. Coglin's law: never show surprise, never lose your cool. Hello and well. Oh no 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 no! If you had suitable sound bed, I would allow you to do that. This is not something. We oh, talk over. it's so good though. I was listening to this all day today. Do you have something that actually is, is a suitable background song? No. This is very suitable. We cannot talk over human voice. I'm doing it right now. I I well, I cannot hear a word you're saying. Oh, it's so good though. Oh, hello and welcome to an earful. Hello, welcome, earful, an earful convoy. of cocktail. 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 That's part wow, of earful. It's got, you, it's got you that. It's got you that all shook up, it's, huh? I'm, I'm quite a bit shook up. All right, here we go. Okay, hello and welcome to an earful of cocktail. Hello, welcome. This is where we dissect the movie cocktail. It is. We 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 uh, we dissect the movie of cocktail uh, in a ratio of about uh, twenty to one. Is that right? No, it, it's a uh, forty to one. What what are you talking about? Uh, how many hours do we do we actually? Talk oh, how many movie? real hours do we do versus movie hours? Yes, it's a, about a two hour movie, and we are going to do two hours per five minute segment. Mm-hmm. So that's just a uh, that's forty to one, right? Forty to one. Nice. We well every time I calculate, it ends up being twenty something times we watch through the movie, which seems about right. So five goes into an hour twenty times. Yeah. And then we do two-hour shows. So isn't that forty? No, that seems. I when I calculated, it was different from forty. But you know what? That sounds right now. Ma- now, ma- that we're, math now that we're thinking is, about math this. Is hard. Well, we don't actually do it for the entire show, but we are going to break down one of the five minutes of, of cocktail. Hopefully, we one of your favorite five. This uh, is a great five. We are in well, such great shape today. We have a treat today in terms tra- of treats. <laughs> we have a treat in terms of this five minutes because it is really something special. And um, it's 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 great. We're great. We're here. We, those three things are true. It's great. We're great. We're here. Uh, without further ado, our famous theme song. Then we'll be back with more cocktail. It's correction time. I don't think I have anything new. Uh, can we just talk for just about, if it's about 10 more seconds? If it's about and then we're going to make a correction. Ready? Just keep talking. Hello. How are you doing? 
I'm doing great. You are talking over a human voice. We can talk over human voices. Correction. It is possible to talk over human voices. Uh, uh, here is a correction to that. These are children, not a, not humans. <laughs> children are inhuman. They're not human yet. If oh, you, you want to come get, back, huh? If you can get a you want to talk more over human voices. If you can get a child version of All Shook Up, we Ooh, can talk over it. That is a challenge I will accept. <laughs> Not a child. This is not a child, and I don't. Failed. I also badly. don't think this is the right song. It's you failed in two ways. On okay. This. All right. I'm gonna okay. just. I'm gonna turn that off. And oh no. This is what you get. Well, that means we're very close to. Oh. Hello and welcome to Earful Cocktail. Hello, welcome. We're, now this is the first uh, moment of Earful of Cocktail. Sometimes I do worry we have too much overhead at the start of the show. And that we won't hook people in because yeah. people come in wanting cocktail talk and there's always and 10 instead, minutes of not that. To begin there's every show. 10 minutes of children singing the ABCs. Yeah. I mean, I think our target audience are yeah. people who are coming back from the assembly line and they get back from work. They flip on the assembly the line. Yeah, I mean, just oh, a tough they, day on their feet. Work in the assembly line. Okay, yeah, I thought you I mean, meant they were like assembling the people. Yeah, this is how they were relaxed when they get okay. home. They they spend the first ten minutes. They flip it on. Mm-hmm. They get out the Epsom salts. They soak their feet in the tub, and and they're not really at full attention for ten minutes. But ten minutes in, we're kind of ready in the swing of things, and they are ready to listen to us. When did soaking in Epsom salts stop? Epsom salts stops. I don't know. I mean, it's if if you ever have you ever gotten swollen feet? No. I. I, I, I feel like I have now started getting feet my 
where feelings start to swell. I've never actually tried this. I guess the is a principle works. There's a there's a differential mm. in the density of the water outside to inside. All the moisture just comes out of your feet, and then it just osmoses out. That's well, the idea. But I don't think when your feet swell, I don't think they're swelling with water. That's the that's what I mean. Mine, they feel like they're swelling with blood. Yeah. Because I, I guess when if you're walking around for a day, what's the first thing to go for you? The first thing to go. Yeah, like if you're just walking around for like 13 hours, mm -hmm. what is the what makes you feel I can't do this anymore? My breath. Your breath. <laughs> your lung capacity. Are <gasps> you saying your aerobics? <gasps> no, your... no, it's not. It's um, I yeah, probably. I mean, feet. Feet definitely are up feet there. Are, feet are the main thing. I usually mm. feel like I'm still good energy. Legs mm -hmm. feel fine. Lungs feel fine. My feet are like bloody stubs. Hmm. That, that's that's me at least. That's good, good image. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, speaking of bloody stubs. But now, now the uh, now the Epsom salts are soaking, and you're ready to talk cocktail. And we are running a tight ship today. There is no, uh, there is no with fresh eyes segments. No with fresh eyes. No funny business. No funny biz. No, which always goes along with the with fresh eyes. And no, <laughs> and no. Um, Is it that way we have a stand-up comic on does a <laughs> does a quick five-minute set. Yes. Yes. Um, no funny business. No with fresh eyes. No earful. Earful. Pageful. Earful. No earful. No page earful. Pageful. Yeah. All we're doing this episode is focusing on these five minutes because they're a great five minutes of the movie cocktail, and uh, we're gonna go through them together. Yeah, but first of anything, we have one question for you. Who let the spoilers out? Who let those spoilers out? I always forget I have to turn it up because it's very quiet. You could remix it to be louder. I could. All right, this is Who Let the Spoilers Out, where we uh, run through the spoiler document for these five minutes of cocktail to let you know what the plot is before we get into the actual clip. We pull out the SD and we uh, tell you what happens these five minutes so you know as we're talking about what we are talking about. I mean, the, our target audience, have they seen the movie Cocktail or not? I think they are seeing the movie Cocktail five minutes at a time with us. I mean, I would you say the show would be better if this was the first time we watched Cocktail? As yeah. I mean, that's the f we we have we've done this twice with two movies mm -hmm. that we've seen beforehand. Mm -hmm. Is that a failure? Mm. I don't um, know. Just put in that there. Yes, we failed. Well, we, we should stop. We spoiled. We spoiled the, the movie ourselves. Okay. We self-spoiled. Okay. So uh, without further ado, this is uh, the spoilers for these five minutes. I'll start right now. Early morning at their residence, arguing on what to have for breakfast, Douglas comes up with an idea for his. That's Douglas Coughlin. It is Douglas Coughlin. Douglas comes up with an idea for his diet's name, cocktails and dreams. I don't. His diet's name. I, okay, well, let's talk more about that. I don't think that's. I don't think that's. I don't think true. that's the name for his diet. But <laughs> I think he was just saying that he has beer for breakfast. Well, no, no. Doesn't he say? Is there, oh, isn't there a line where he says something like, "Now that's a diet I can get behind" or whatever? Okay, let, let's let's cocktails see this. and dreams. Oh, oh, okay. oh, in the previous five minutes, where he says like, "I live on nothing but cocktails and dreams." Yes, it's Coglin's like diet. Cocktails and dreams. So, so yeah, that is literally the name he comes up for yeah, his diet. Oh, so you know what? I'm not going to criticize that. I think, I th he, I, I think our, we, our, we our spoiler up. writer got that right. We were actually. This is part of the last five minutes, not this five minutes. But spoiler mm -hmm. is right. This is an insight to Flanagan on a name for a joint and pitches the idea of starting up their bar to Doug. Inspired and not letting money be what stops them, they agree to work towards their dream as partners, sharing the spoils at a ratio of seven to three. <laughs> Do you, do, you, do, you, do you like how they simplified the ratio? I like how they simplified 70-30 to 7-3, yes. 
yeah, took out the... Okay. Motivated by all their new plans. Wait, wait. That's not what they agreed upon, though. They did not agree upon 70-30. Uh... They, that is not their agreement. No, they got 60 40. They, they actually renegotiated yeah. the 60 40. But we'll get to that later. Okay. Motivated, not in these spoilers, apparently. Not by these spoilers. Motivated by these new plans, their, new, their next day working the bar is of interest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it is. The crowds and fans keep adding up. In their impressive talent, they impress upon a secret admirer who offers them a job at another salon. An offer which they accept. Their first day at the salon, cell block, where they get to meet a yuppie poet presenting a poem entitled The Bottom Line. <laughs> it's a great poem. It's a very good poem. Uh, giving insight taught the ironies in life. Not getting the attention as bartenders, Brian realizes the crowd's reference to poetry and performs to them one on the different drinks they offer. And that's that's these five minutes. Nice. That was who let the spoilers out. And we, we did. Yeah, the answer to the who let the spoilers out is always uh Whoa, 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 whoa. What are, what is even what? Alright, we're back. We're back. Um and now we can actually get into uh, the, the analysis. The analysis. The analysis. The analysis. Yeah. So uh, we, we've... Oh, good. We're 15 minutes in. Time to start. I, I mean, the, the spoiler I alert is, it's is starting. It's content. Yeah, it's all content. Right. Um, this is all content. We, I know. And speaking of content, are we ready? Do you think we have someone to pay us by the word? You just get speed talkers by, doing podcasts? Yeah. <laughs> podcasts are paid by the word? As opposed to the podcast, podcasters come in and just... Just just do... I think just, all podcasters are paid by the time, by the minute. I think you should pay my the word. Okay. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Um, so we are going to sync, though, first before we do anything else. Oh, the sync. Yeah. And you're going to start up. So go home. Start up your cocktail machine. Yeah. Hopefully close to your Epsoms. Epsom. Epsom. Get your Epsom salts out. Put them in your tub. Soak your feet in that tub. Drop Pull. your drop your convoy machine into the tub. Drop your cocktail machine, your convoy machine, and your cocktail machine into the tub. Well, you have you have the cocktail Stack machine, em. the convoy machine from last season, and the new cocktail machine yes. sitting right beside. Set that cocktail machine to five. Five six, minutes. Five, five for five minutes. Yep. Yes. And then choose the. I think is it the sixth five minutes or five fifth five minutes. It's the sixth five minutes. Sixth five minutes. If that's Cue one indexed. The sixth one indexed five minutes. Of the movie Cocktail by Tom Cruise. Directed and edited by, <laughs> by Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise. <laughs> May he rest in peace. <laughs> R.I.P. Uh, and um, cue it up. And what you'll notice is the first frame of this five minutes is um, Tom Cruise himself. That's the uh, that's the uh, the checksum, the watermark, Looking, as you will. See, you with yeah. M-Player, you don't get the nice still frame at the beginning. <laughs> Yeah, but that's I get the surprise. I'm, I'm sitting on a command line right now. Yes. When I press it, it's going to explode in action. Okay, so you get your the um, the Epsom checksum. Got the Jackson checksum. <laughs> that is what they need in every box. Uh, that's how do you verify the integrity of your Epsom salts with an Epsom checksum? <laughs> that's that's worth that's worth using. Oh that's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so um, cue up these five minutes. We're going to play it together. We're going to sync it up. Lock it, sync it. Here we go. Are you ready? Uh, yes, I'm very ready. You got close all your Google Maps. Uh, I, this is a, <laughs> this is a new machine, by the way. Oh, because my old it's machine still got a lot of Chrome windows open. Uh, well, they're all necessary. Okay. 
Only one is Google Maps. That's <laughs> just close that, please. Okay. Okay. All right. Here we go. We are gonna sink. Okay. Three, three two, two, one. Three, two, one. Go. You can't let a little thing like cash stand in our way. This seems seems good. Cocktails. That's great. Good sink. Okay. Okay, so let's see. Let's let's break it down by the scene. That seems to be a good thing to do to start. We have how many scenes in these uh, five minutes? Okay, I think we, it's a solid three. We got the the finalizing of the apartment scene. We have the uh, the after breakfast. After breakfast. I mean, has Tom Cruise... Well, what is the situation of the pizzas we start? Should we talk about that more? Uh, oh, that's right. He was juggling pizza last episode. In last episode, he successfully transferred pizza onto a plate. But then he never eats it. I don't think we ever well, see any pizza eating action. Certainly not this five minutes. That's a very Brian Flanagan thing to do. Well, I think he's doing. Meanwhile, Kovlin is putting another Kovlin is putting another egg into his uh, red eye. That is true. I mean, I, uh, why or was that another? the first egg? Yeah. Okay, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Egg. This is post breakfast. Yeah. Okay. Then we have a scene uh, back at the uh, T.J. Fridays. Yep. And uh, they. Uh, and this is the hip hip shake scene. This is the hip hip shake scene. Yes. And this goes on for a bit. Oh, and this then, scene's great. Uh, we, we get a, uh, uh, a sudden uh, Oh, they're going to bounce them. Get ready. They're going to bounce their tumblers. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Okay, fine. Uh, and then we have a change of pace, and we move to the cell block. Um, yes. So we see two bar scenes, very contrasted bar scenes. You've got the um, TGI Fridays. Yes. Casual but fun bar scene. It's like family. And then you've got the cell block. Oh, they're going to bounce them. Bouncing them. Oh, they bounce those shakers. Woo. Toss them, bounce them. Have you been trying that today? No, I should try and bounce my shakers more. I think I have little trampolines. Mm. But good for you. You have a trampoline. It's true. Yes. Powerful stuff. Listen to it. To talk about transitions, it is so rewarding. It is so great. What, they when start, powerful stuff kicks in? Well, they start powerful stuff in the last scene, mm -hmm. which sounds diegetic because there's music going in the background. You hear powerful stuff start, and then you realize it only kicks in really... When they move to the cell block. It's a it's a sonic flash forward. It's so good. It's, it's so good. Yes. And then we're at the cell block, and we hear two poetry recitals, and that's the end and of these five minutes. We should listen to these poetry recitals, I think, through first time. Okay, sure. So here we go. Here's number one. I am the world's first yuppie poet. <laughs> <laughs> the poem is entitled, The Bottom Line. Stick it in your bubble. Money isn't everything, they say. Okay, so what is sex? It's better than sushi. Did you ever make love to a pauper? Pee, you. I'd rather have a camel. Revolution? It takes money to overthrow the government, you know. Whoa, that's deep. Art? The more it costs, the better it is. And that's the bottom line! It's a great poem. It's an amazing poem. Your computer is skipping slightly, I believe. I'm, I'm, I'm well aware. Okay, close all the Chrome windows, please. I, I need some information. Okay, here comes poem number two. Farming poet. Give us a kiss, you sexy beast! 
America drinking the fabulous cocktails I make. America's getting yeah. stinking on something I stir or shake. Yeah. The sex on the beach. Yeah. The schnapps made from peach. The velvet hammer. The Alabama slammer. I make things with juice and froth, the pink squirrel, the three-toed sloth. I make drinks so sweet and snazzy, the iced tea, the kamikaze, the orgasm. Oh, hands up the merchandise. The death spasm. The Singapore sling, the ding-a-ling. America, you're just devoted to every flavor I've got. But if you want to get loaded, why don't you just order a shot? Oh, and then it cuts off. So that is our three scenes we're doing today yeah. with, with a full exposure to the uh, to the poems. Oh, double poems. So, double okay, I, double I'd feature I'd poems. We blow through in order. I think we do scene one, then two, then three. Okay. Uh, in the meantime, yeah, let's uh, let's 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 just jump in. Jump in, Xbox. Yes. Jump in. Actually, I found one where I had like a million windows open. So now I'm okay. closing this one. Yeah, good, good. Please close all the windows and don't use M player. Um, so player is so much better. We also need to reserve time. Uh, I I think we should kick off the process of getting in contact with Haywood Gould, which is we are going to tweet at the person who emailed Haywood Gould. That's a I, that's a good start. I think it's a good first step. So we'll do that at some point this show. We'll we'll compose a tweet. Wow, that's a big promise to our fans that they're going to hear a live tweet. It's exciting. Really Hear and see if they're tuning in on Twitter. If they're watching the live uh, webcast, yeah. they, will, they will see it. Okay. All right. Um, so we got so scene number one apartment. That's a this is a quick one. Should we just knock this out real quick? It's a quickie. I'd say the first thing to start is were you examining Coglin's notebook? Uh, I saw. I mean, he drew the cocktail and dreams logo on it. He did, but he also drew other things. <laughs> he drew a star. Yeah. And then he drew uh, some sort of humanoid creature <laughs> uh, effectively standing on the circle. And, I mean, this is a pretty good recreation mm. of what he's doing. Mm. Uh, do you notice anything particular about that? I, is he a globe head? Is he a globe head? I mean, that's the thing. It, it, it does give the idea that this humanoid is standing on the cocktails and dreams like it is standing on top of the world. There's a star above it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll say the biggest thing I note here, I first thought it was a crown, but you notice this. At first it was a crown. I was satisfied. <laughs> I just... Very good. Okay. Uh, gigantic ears. Um, yeah. So yeah, well, this, Tom Cruise. It's Tom Cruise. He's he's <laughs> drawing Tom Cruise so under a star. Is this is this you know Coglin? Whoever played Coglin, whose name I forget. Uh, Brian. Brian Flanagan. There you got it, Brian Flanagan. Um, is this him? You know. Like, I mean, I can't imagine he actually got to draw anything on that paper, though, because it would have been, like, fabricated by the prop shop. Um, but it would be kind of incredible I if... Mean, he, oh, you're right, he drew the circle. But the prop shop did that. The prop shop he, did... He, he was at a green... The prop shop guided his hands. He had a green screen that he drew in, and then the <laughs> and prop shop... And the... You can't yeah, expect an actor... To also, draw on paper. It's not in their union. Their union won't allow them no, to I know, do, exactly. The prop master's okay. union... Okay, so maybe... Maybe Conklin had authority over the paper. Brian? 
Brian Flanagan. Brown. Brian Brown. Brown. Brian Brown. What a weird like actor name. Well, do you find it weird to act as a person playing against another character who has your name? Like you go in a movie. You're yeah, like, you're Brian. Hey, Brian. It's like you're not Alan. Yeah, but you're talking to someone who is Alan. That's extremely confusing. It'd be weird. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think the so the the okay. So let's assume that Brian Brown had full authority over this piece of paper. Shoot, sure. He's, I mean, I, I think he probably had guidance. He probably couldn't sure. go to town. <laughs> He's using that authority to draw <laughs> a small stick figure caricature of Tom Cruise. Sure. I mean, I think this it's Tom Cruise under a star. And I think, did he say in the scene before this, did he say anything about star? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. Let me let me go in. Because I'm going to make you a star the, yeah, many gonna, times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, the, and maybe he drew a star when, as he said that. Star no? confirmed? No? No star? No, no this, the star was talking about a star never pukes in public mm. or pass out in public. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as this goes, it was not said in the scene, but it's still on his mind, obviously. I think yeah. he's still saying, how do you make Brian Flanagan a star? And that is, you know, that is a question. Is that his dream? Because uh, this, this scene is a lot about cocktails and dreams. Sure. Sure. But as a brand name. Is a brand name, but I think it's really what they care about. But okay, so there's a there's a crucial question asked by Coglin in this in this scene. The CQ. He says, "Can I live with Young Flanagan?" Yeah, and he and he says yes. I mean, and uh, at this point, it's worth noting he is currently in in his apartment. Yeah. He's saying, "Can I live with him mm. while he's in the place where he lives?" Well, no, live with him as a longtime partner in an enterprise. There's a difference between being invited over for breakfast and red eyes. Yes, but there's a difference between text and subtext in here. Sure. I, I mean, I think the real... The, the question is, are they in it for the business partnership, or is a business partnership an excuse for being together? Oh. Hmm. I mean, I, mean, I think I they go wanna, hand in hand. I don't want to get this like a lazy queer theory. Like queer theory no, is no, just no. basically you look at every movie. Yeah. And say, what if they're gay? Yes. No, but, I don't think it's a what if they're gay. I think it's a it's a. But the, there is you got to admit there are, is a deep there is a deep connection they refuse to acknowledge. I don't think it's romantic. It's but it transcends romantic. Part yeah, of, I mean it's bromance. The, it's a it's a yeah it, no it's I, a friendship I, thing. I think it's what I misunderstood a, about like queer theory's idea yeah. of saying it's not really saying what well, what if they're all like boning each other. It's really saying there is kind of something that transcends that and then when you demarcate platonic they try to like say maybe bromance and romance are the same thing mm. in its own way mm. that's i mean that's as far i'm not saying i am a i'm a i'm a co-signing everything they've ever analyzed but let's see if, if it who is here. they who is that's the thing it's them okay uh all right um we so uh, other things i noted in this scene um does campbell's make tomato juice because it was weird that there were cans of what looked like Campbell's tomato soup on the table, but they weren't. They were Campbell's tomato juice. So there are two possibilities here. One is Campbell's made tomato juice. Two is the prop master made up fake <laughs> Campbell's tomato juice. Here's the answer. Campbell's does make tomato juice. I solved that on my own. So you can actually get that You can get that right now. You, apparently you can only get it from Campbell's food service. Like, they don't sell it on store shelves, but if you're in the food service business... You can get it wholesale. You can get Campbell's tomato juice. Huh. <laughs> okay. I thought that was interesting. Did, did you make an order? No, but I might. Yeah, um, so, okay, so... It'd be good for red eyes. The first thing I was talking about is, like, we can make a fortune, and positive thinking, positive thinking, uh, we can't, like, cash stand the way of their dreams. 
Coglin asks, can I live with the... Uh, you know what we're doing right now? What? We're talking over the sound of human voices. Yes, but it's not musical voices. Okay. All right. Just pointing uh, it out. Is, uh... I'm going to keep pointing that I mean, this is... I will, I will say this. This is already a terrible sound bed. <laughs> this is part of the thing of the show. Okay. This is not what a good thing sounds like. And perhaps what I'm saying is... Very good. Very, very good. I mean, if, if there's anything about it, I think I'd say we don't start with it. Because oh, that's, starting with it is amazing. You must make a good first impression. Like, oh, listen to this. Back from work, getting ready to get some salt. Yeah, and, and it's like, sounding, wow. They're sounding this clear mastery and intelligible. Of, this mastery of the co the cocktail soundtrack uh, in radio form. Th this podcast rapidly becomes unintelligible, incoherent, extremely muddy. But for a moment, a brief shining moment at the beginning of every episode, you can hear it. In crystal fidelity. Sure. Uh, okay, so can you live with with uh, Young Flanagan? Well, maybe I could handle a partner. And uh, and he starts off saying, "All right, all right, fifty fifty. All right, all right, all right, all right, yeah. all right, all right, all well, right." So all they right. mainly talk about basically. It's a Mungo Jerry song. <laughs> That's a good song. Yeah, it's a great song. Uh, can they can they live together, work together? Mm. And I think really the difficult question is how do these two personalities work together? Strong personalities, both but, of them. But and I think they really sidestep that question by talking money instead. Sure. They talk about how to split up cash. I think it's a distraction from themselves. Well, that's an and really take. talking about like what's really hard is how are we going to get along? So, yeah. So it first starts off by him saying 50-50, I know my place, I deserve 50%. And Flanagan says, no, 70 for me, 30 for you. No, no, other way around. Flanagan says 50-50. We're going to be equal partners well, That's the wrong names yet. Yes. So, then Coughlin says, no, yes, you, don't, you don't says, know your place. You don't know your place. 70-30. A partner who knows his place, 70-30. Yes. And you go back to Brian Flanagan, yes. and there's hurt on his face. Oh, yeah. He feels immediately hurt, but he needs to show that to get the respect of, of Coughlin, yeah. he needs to be... Tough and business savvy. Well, and I think he also realizes that he should have started at 40-60. He doesn't care about the money at all. That is the key it's to true. negotiation. That's true. That's the true. He doesn't care. Yeah, yeah, I know. He does 100% neither care about what they're actually talking about yeah. here. And neither the audience. Obviously, the audience doesn't have a whole lot of care exactly how they split uh, the profits. I kind of cared. I care. Because here's the, <laughs> the outcome of this. So they settle at 60-40. Yes. Coughlin 60, Flanagan 40. Which here's, is, the, here's the problem. Which... Uh, why does he get more? Either why does he claim? Well, more, he's more established he, in the business. He he's probably providing the contacts and the whatever to get them Neither started. Neither are providing capital at this no, point. There is no capital. No, no. no. But Coglin, I mean, Flanagan has been a bartender for all of like a week, right? Sure. So I think Coglin's got a little more to provide to bring to the table than Flanagan does. But on the other hand, it shows you that Coglin's ceiling is arguably lower insofar as he's been working for a while and sure. is still a bartender. Sure, sure. But I, I mean. It, there's at least something there. Brian Whereas Flanagan, Flanagan, there could be nothing there. Brian Flanagan has business school experience. <laughs> it's true. He does have a couple weeks of business school experience. Or maybe a week. Who knows? Anyway, oh, I'm looking at the... Yeah, okay. That's a good drawing. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize the page was shown so clearly. I did an amazing job copying it, by the way. That I, You did do a great job reproducing that drawing. Yeah. I should have posted that to Twitter instead of the... Um, picture of Coughlin, but I thought the picture of Coughlin was pretty good, too. Every picture's good. Okay. Every still is a masterpiece. Every frame a masterpiece. So, that's what I meant. Um, so, so 60-40. Here's the problem with 60-40, right? Is that Coughlin has a controlling stake in the business at 60%. 
and that he has more than 51% of the stock? Yes. Well, they're t- are they talking about ownership? I guess they're talking of- about share of profits, not necessarily share of ownership, but who I'm, knows? I anyway. Mean, presumably, I mean, are they going to incorporate any joint stock? I don't know how this is going to work out. Well, if they're going to franchise, they're going to have to. Franchise. Franchise, <laughs> franchise, franchise, franchise. So if they're going to franchise... But um, here's the problem, right? Which is if something were to happen to Coughlin, let's say. Yes. Flanagan would not have control of Cocktails and Dreams. Uh, if if those become public stock yeah. and are issued out to anybody without... I guess you can no, always... No, no, I don't think it's public stock. I think I mean, if what, let's say the voting control of the of Cocktails and Dreams brand sure. is 60% Coughlin, 40% Flanagan. Sure. Coughlin, something happens to him. You never know. Could happen. Don't know. It I'm not saying happen. anything. Yeah. But if it does... You, he loses his own cocktails and his dreams. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I also I imagine that is something perhaps you can write in fail-safes into it. I don't know. I mean, I don't I'm know. Really, we'll have to dig more into this. Oh, uh, yeah. Let's get some uh, business lawyers here. Yes. Uh, but I, I, mean, I think the main question is, if you talk about their dreams, are their dreams... What about their cocktails? Well, we know about their cocktails. <laughs> okay. So we, we, Larry, their dreams. Are their dreams really to find a way to hang out and be cool bros together and live in the same place forever? Is well, that really their dream? I mean, I think so. Flanagan's stated dream is to make a lot of money, which uh, he does do before he comes into town. Yes. I, I always have the theory that's his way of trying to seem respectable to his uncle, of saying, mm, "I'm not so aimless anymore. I came back into town. And yeah. I've actually I have ambition." But now. really, he just wants to be a bro. I think he just wants to hang out with mm. uh, his, his, his his good friend. His good friend, the world's first yuppie poet. <laughs> that yes. guy is so likable. Let's talk about how likable the yuppie poet is. <laughs> we no, we, we we're getting ahead talk, of ourselves. We're I know. Way ahead of ourselves. Okay, all right. Uh, so I will just say they're they're in a dingy apartment in Queens. Sports everywhere. It's a heavily like coated masculine space. Mm. It's it's a bro cave. Yeah, and they just want to be there forever. But they can't just opt out of the system and live in their bro cave. One because. Their uncle won't understand. Uncle Pat still is their landlord, apparently, or something. Mm. And uh, and they have to actually say, oh, we're not hanging out because we're bros. They'd say, we're business we're partners. business, yeah. So I think that's really, okay. that's the way that they're actually basically shielding their dreams in the in the face of respectability. What about their cocktails? That they leave out in the that open. That they leave in the open. Okay. Uh, so I think anything right. more on the first. No, scene? that's a good that's a good wrap on the I mean, first scene. I mean, I still would say yeah. let's try to figure out where that pizza goes. Let's, let's get back to that. Try, let's follow the pizza. Hashtag follow the pizza. Hashtag PizzaGate. Hashtag, hashtag PizzaGate. <laughs> follow us for all the PizzaGate updates. Yep, yep. <laughs> you heard it here first. Okay, scene two is hippie hippie shake scene. Yes. Uh, first, I will note establishing shot yeah. of the outside mm. uh, and looking at the place next door I was able to confirm the location Oh, which insofar as your computer is not having audio you should look in Google Maps 1st Avenue and 63rd Street in New York 1st Avenue and 63rd Street New York City New York City and 63rd Street New York City New York good there it is how many New York Cities are outside New York State Look, I just specify comma and Y because it's easy to type and it helps. Now look at the street view. Uh, wait, I'm, I'm just, I need to get a sense for where this is in New York first. It's uh, Upper East Side, right? Upper East Side. Oh, okay, Upper East Side. I do not know that it's, area. It well. is directly east of Central Park. Look at this makes- cool little island out here. Roosevelt Island. I love all the little New York islands. All right. We're going to Street View. Okay. 
And now go around to the northeast corner. Northeast corner. North. Northeast corner. Baker Street Pub. That is the same shot. Wow. This was the first TGI Fridays in America. Opened 1965. What? Was open what? on that corner. And they actually filmed. So they the, filmed inside an actual TGI Fridays. Well, they did the exterior. I imagine mm. the interior, they probably. <laughs> was maybe a set. I think was a set. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, it, you like to think they would film on location for everything. I'm, yeah, I mean, for a movie like this. I mean, I think if you're doing a scene in a supermarket <laughs> or a subway or or you know, TJ Fridays, you know, you don't film inside a subway or or a supermarket. You you just make a set. Sure. Okay, yes. I understand how the movie industry works. Given our conversation about Prop Masters earlier. Sure. Yes. Uh, Prop Masters International. <laughs> uh, okay, so Baker Street Pub has pretty prime real estate here in that they took over from the first TGI Fridays in America. I was able to locate because the place next to it was a Japanese restaurant that was here that mm. uh, it was it was reviewed online as of 2007. Oh, so but it's was, now it's expert now, cleaners. It's now something else. Okay. I, I think nothing in the shot is still there. This establishing shots in the background now. You see oh, it next no, time. I'm, I'm in Google Maps land here, but I'll, I'll check it next time around. Yeah, it's great. So uh, that's, that's okay. a cool tidbit. Establishing shot, and then my favorite part of this whole second scene. Are you, you know you heard of this? Is it the fact that uh, they're doing such great business and they're actually serving the needs of the TGI clientele? No. TGI Friday's clientele? No. Um, there's a lot to love about the scene. It I is. I mean, I would say my yeah. favorite thing about the scene mm. is that from the very beginning, their secret admirer is sitting quietly at the bar. This is exactly what I... Th <laughs> that's my favorite part of the scene. Okay. The, so the secret admirer who then pitches them on coming to the cell block <laughs> is sitting at the bar... Quietly... And, looking and very looking back and forth and nodding and like smiling slightly. He is, he is a young, uh, somewhat awkwardly. He is a young, uh, young I guess, woman on his arm. I'd say an acquaintance at the very least. Yep. They possibly he, and he turns to her at one point and kind of like it says something to her. It's like uh, these guys are good. Hey, these guys are good. And yeah. then. I've been famous for 10 years. Give me the money. So um, he's yeah. very so quietly he's, he's, taking it in yep. because he's a pro. Yep. But then at the end, he freaks out. Yes. Yes. He, just, he gets very animated very quickly. Yes. Says, I want you guys working for me. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, it's fantastic. And it lets it's, you know how things work in the business. Yes. You know, people say that when they're, when they're doing a set, you know, they always hope that some casting guy is sitting in the audience and is mm. ready to take them in, and every time a bartender shows up, they're thinking the same thing. Yeah. Um, okay, so, so yeah, so oh. so tracking the guy who... One, one more thing about the owner of The owner of the cell block, what do you think? The owner, the, the bar manager, what do you think, this, what position do you think this guy holds at the cell block? I think, I would say this, I think it's clear that he spends most of his time... Hanging out of, at TGI Fridays? I think he doesn't spend a lot of time working. I yeah. think he's very much an idea guy. Sure. He spends he's making it all time, happen. He gets a lot of passive income flow, mm. and then occasionally... From, from his incredibly profitable cell block. <laughs> Fairly. Pris his prison-themed bar. Sure. And, I mean, I I think the, I think he... He's I mean, it is very crowded in the cell block. Look, we need to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, actually. I mean, extremely crowded, like dangerously crowded in the cell we, block. Well, we'll talk about that in the cell okay. block scene. I was in a club in China that was about as crowded as this, and that's the most crowded place I've ever been. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he's a purely passive, like, landlord type, because he actually cares about running the business. Mm. 
I think unless yeah, he's, he's involved it, in the. I mean, the fact he's well, unless this is like a whim of normally he doesn't get involved to this level, but well, he, he's doing the, the fun kind he of. He saw business, these guys. Which oh is yeah, finding fun bartenders, Fi finding talent. Yeah, you know, picking out the flare in the field, in the air. In the, yeah, picking the flare veritably out of the air and putting it in his bar. He's not doing. I don't think he's gonna be the guy who's like. He's not a day-to-day -day bar manager. No, I don't no. think he's talking about it's like, oh, let's talk about inventory, guys. No, we're gonna have a meeting before we work here, and we talk about how we keep the stock properly organized. He doesn't care no. about that, nor does he have to. No, no. I think he's like a really rich guy who came who into inheritance. Hangs out at TGI Fridays, no, and <laughs> I think he's a guy. He's kind of like uh, the uh, Wyatt Coke. He's a guy who has more money, knows what to do with, so he does fun stuff like runs bars <laughs> with with somewhat unsustainable premises. Sure. I think that's kind of what happened here. Okay. Uh, I will mention this one amazing transition, uh, which again, not to not to dwell too much in the homoerotic subtext, but the last scene ends with, "Let's do it. Let's really do it." And they move to TJ Fridays, and then everyone in the crowd is chanting, "Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it!" Do it. It's yeah. fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Which I guess "do it" is doing the flare thing. That is what it is. Well, no, when they're talking about it, "do it" means found cocktails and dreams. It means in one TJ of Fridays, things, yeah, which is basically let's do this business relationship as we yep. have stated, or let's do it as in let's get closer as people to each sure. other. Sure. And I think what they really mean is, let's take our friendship to the next level. But what they are stating explicitly is, let's take our business arrangement to a more formal level. Sure. Okay. Uh, which is go to the notary public and uh, get get everything notarized. Yes. Uh, incorporate his business, Cocktails <laughs> and Dreams, Inc. Is it good to incorporate like years before you have any capital to actually invest? In case you get sued. <laughs> in case you get sued in the idea phase. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He, uh, this this drawing is actually infringing on the Little Prince copyright. If there's an, if there's an existing uh, Cocktails and Dreams brand, you know, you can get sued. Never know. Okay, so um, but okay, so but that's what it means there. But when they're it, when when in the crowd, how many times have you said that when you're in the crowd? You have you have to admit by what the way. that I want you guys working for me. No, no, I'm talking about the crowd. Is that infringing the copyright? That is it. Wow, he drew the cover of the Little Prince. A little bit. Wow, that is very close. And Tom Cruise is extremely little. Let's be clear. He's small. He's, He's a, a small, small man. man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and a dead man. <laughs> He's on the plus side, he rest very peace. small, but also very dead. Very dead. <laughs> yeah. R.I.P. Uh, mm. Have you ever yelled out, "Let's do it," and then yell out, "No, no, sorry," in a in a bar? Yell yeah. out, do, it. Do, do it, it. do it, do it, do it. I mean, this doesn't seem like a normal. I mean, this atmosphere in this bar is not an atmosphere I've experienced in any bar I've ever been in. So let's, let's talk about what is going on in the bar right now. Yeah. What's going on in the bar right now is we have two bar people doing a flare entertainment show. It's yes. like a lounge act, but they're doing. To, to the song Hip Hippie Shake. They're mixing Which drink. we know Tom Cruise has queued up on the shore the shore machine <laughs> beneath yes. the bar. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in his capacity as part-time DJ. And it so let's look more at the sound after this, but just in general, they're doing a lounge act. The two bars are mm. making two drinks, mm. possibly for people. Also, possibly. watch Tom Cruise take a little swig of the drink he just made as well. Always always professional. Always professional. At the same time, you have the entire waitstaff hanging out at the bar watching <laughs> Watching the flare show. And then you have at least three or four rows deep of clients just cheering, chanting, yeah. chanting at the bar. I mean, if there's a bar if bartenders are doing a flare show, I don't think it's unreasonable that people would turn and watch it instead of going about the normal bar business. So it's like a floor show, but it's a flare show. A flare show, yeah, exactly. 
You come for the drink, stay for the flare show. I mean, here's the question. Do you think this is a, a most of the night they perform the TGI Friday's business as specified in his mission statement of basically providing a restaurant, entertainment, you get your food mainly, mm. or do you think that the bar is just basically failed to deliver on getting food to your table and drinks and that people mostly watch bartenders? That seems to be what people in this bar are doing, yes. I was interested, we'll talk about this later, but I, I was reading this these random thoughts from Haywood Gould that were published, and it was interesting how Haywood apparently... Haywood Gould is author of the book Cocktail author, and, screenwriter and screenwriter of, of the, the movie. movie Cocktail. And it was in, apparently, you know, he was saying that Roger Ebert said he had no idea what went on inside a bar or something. You know, Roger Ebert said that like the movie's writers were clueless about what went inside a bar, and Haywood Gould was a bartender for like 12 years? I mean, you could in, say, in New York, you could say the world of bartending in the movie is more. It's not quite realistically reflecting no, what goes on a bar. No, it is not intended to. But it the does problem, capture though, the was, poetry of what goes on. The of bar. course, the, literally yeah, the and physically. literally. Well, Haywood Gould apparently did recite poetry on top of a bar. That is something I also learned from this. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, but uh, so so it's not intended to represent what would actually go on in a bar. But I think most of the people watching this movie interpreted it as as such, and then expected for a while afterward bars to be like that. I mean, I guess the question is, what do people want out of a bar? Um, and that is that's kind of a main thing. That's a big question in the movie in general. Yeah, I mean, present day. Uh, uh, it depends on the bar. On, on President's Day, I think people want president-themed cocktails, <laughs> like McKinley's Delight. You want a solid forty-five cocktails. You remember the McKinley's Delight? I do not know what you're talking about. Oh, we've made McKinley's. It's three ounces of rye. Because <laughs> <laughs> McKinley liked rye. McKinley I, loved rye. I, I don't remember this. Let me find the McKinley Deli McKinley's Delight. Is this gonna be just a glass of rye? No, no, no. It's not just a glass of rye. It's. Uh, it is. It's an intense drink. Here we go. Three ounces rye whiskey, one ounce sweet vermouth, two dashes cherry brandy, one dash absinthe. Wait, 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 wait. This was this in the. This is in the. This, this is article. just a drink that I found somewhere. Do we? At some point, it was McKinley's favorite drink. I don't remember the history behind this. Okay. We consumed them. You enjoyed it. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. Apparently, I consumed too many of them. Yes. Well, it was. It, it, it's a one and done thing, and not the one and done. That's a different drink. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the question. Invented okay. by Michael Simon, I think. I mean, TGI Fridays, as I've noted before, was famous for being the first singles bar. Sure. It was not a place like Uncle Al's, the Al's Tavern. Uncle well, Pat's. Uncle Pat's. It's not a place like Uncle Pat's Where Tavern. Where did Uncle Al's come from? I think it's like a... What's Uncle Al? That's the thing, right? I, no. I, well, he looks like an owl. Okay. Uncle Pat, his place, a bar used to be a place where men go to get hammered. Uh, no, where men go to, like, hang out, you know, and, like, kind of spend time. Sure. I don't think it's purely about consuming the alcohol, because you can buy alcohol and consume it at home. There's a reason you go to a bar, and that's to have like an atmosphere and other people there, and maybe sports on the TV. It's for depressed men to get away from their families and drink alone. There's that. Yeah, there's that. I mean, I'd say in Uncle Pat's, that's one of the client. There are people who just... You think Eddie's that? I think there are people who either... Eddie's escaping his family? Escaping families or don't have families. I don't think Eddie has a family. Yes. Well, maybe he's trying to give the impression he's escaping from his family. Sure. Uh, whereas TJ Fridays tried to be someplace, no, this is for young people who want to have fun and meet other young people. And that's what Fridays try to say. We're not about basically the old-fashioned way of drinking, which is to basically 
you know, kind of drop out of the world, just cut away from it all. We're a place to kind of make it more alive and fun. Yeah. That's the idea. We're about fun. And I think they try to balance everything. And this kind of takes it to the extreme where it's all about the fun, not at all about food or drinks. Yeah. Because the, the, the throughput here is terrible. It, they're making two drinks in this entire scene. Yes, yeah, they they each make a drink, and then Tom Cruise consumes the drink that he made. <laughs> Which <laughs> so I, that's not going to a customer. Apparently not, or at yeah. least not all of it. And then he holds up a tip jar, a giant tip, and everyone throws tips into the tip jar. And I'd say make at best two bucks, three bucks, right? Um, I think some people were throwing bills. It's hard with all the, well, the crowd. There were there were things that didn't look like coins going to that tip jar. Yes. Uh, but it, they, I will say this, they seem to be achieving fun and dreams. They seem to be very little holding them back in what they want to do at TJ Fridays. As They're far, at the top of their game in TJ Fridays. I mean, They're far, the center of the, of the world in TJ Fridays. As far as management goes, they are completely unconcerned with managing their behavior. In fact, they're able to do whatever comes to mind with them. Seems to be the case. And it is working out for them. And I guess here's the big question. They are now asked by a person who shows up, who watches them carefully. The secret admirer. And said, the secret admirer, and says, hey, I want you to work for me. Mm -hmm. Why would they want to take this? Well, I mean, um, let's let's talk about this in a number of ways. I mean, according to Coughlin, it's for the money. He says it's for the money. Says, I'm already famous, which that checks out with what we've just been talking about. They sure. are at the top of their game here. I mean, let's take a step back. They said the point of being bartenders in New York City, mm-hmm. where all the money is, they're in the location the you know, where the location of money just sits and basically sits kind of mismanaged and is mm-hmm. really ripe for the taking if you're a, a, kind a, of the aristocrat right kind of, of the working class. And so they say, like, okay, you get in, you kind of get buddy-buddy with real, real money, yeah. and then you take it. Yeah, to get money, and then the reason to get money is so you have an excuse to open a bar and hang out with your bros. Yes, which is the real, real dream here. Yeah, uh, so they need capital to do that. That's the kind of that's the in every that that really is the main goal is they need capital. They need money, which is always a, a, a good plot device. But they don't really need it for any real reason. They need it mainly because they, so they can keep growing. <laughs> They have they wanna, everything they need yeah, in front of them to, but, to bro out. But society yeah, but no, doesn't uh, understand. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, they want to franchise it. No, he. he they want to franchise, what, franchise, he franchise. Said he wanted for they want to bring that to everyone in America. They want to bring that feeling. Tom that Cruise feeling does of not joy. care. Brian Flanagan does not care if this no. actually goes Brian out. Flanagan just wants to be accepted. He does. He absolutely. Yeah. He has dead parents, an uncle who doesn't understand, mm-hmm. and finally a cool bro. Uh, and so th- I guess the question is, they are having a lot of fun at TJ Fridays. Yeah. It is just a playground. It, it's, it's a bartender's delight. I think, but there's a limit to that. I mean, at some point, that routine's going to get old. At some point, they're not going to be able to captivate the entire crowd at TJ Fridays every night. I think they could. <laughs> I think they could. But I think that they will not be able, it, it will feel like stagnation insofar as it does not jibe with their stated goals. Sure. I think in an alternate version of the movie, the sit-back says, you know what, this is fun, let's ride this out, and then just continue doing it. Well, if anything... But that's not, it it doesn't work in a movie. The move to the cell block is a move toward, I mean, so, like... uh, It is towards a riskier clientele. 
well, it's toward that, which is is in which is in keeping with goal. the stated goal. But then also, it is a move that really provides a focusing lens for their talents in a way that TGI Fridays, well, it is a, you know, I mean, they're they're kind of like hacking the system at TGI Fridays, <laughs> right? Like, like, like they're I saw, creating I saw that hacker again at McDonald's. The guy with the with the hoodie. <laughs> really? Yeah. He, he was, was he on the Wi-Fi. He was he was he was all the way in. He was on the mainframe. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. Uh, um. So, uh, they're they're kind of hacking the system at TGI Fridays. But, but for South posterity, yeah. for posterity, uh, McDonald's. The date is uh is January sixth. Still playing Christmas music. That's just, good. We're just just gonna put that out there. We're, yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Good. Because I I hate Christmas music in December. Really hate November. Love it in January. <laughs> It's fantastic in January, but continue. Okay. They're hacking the system. They're hacking the system TJ Fridays toward their own ends, which is fine. That's fun. But at the cell block, they're, they're the cell block kids. They're, is... they're, they're, they're latchkey kids, right? Sure. I mean, sure. no one's watching yeah. the till. No, it's fine. It's a bunch of kids having fun. Yes. It's, but like, it's like a stickball. It's like a It's knock-hole like ba- stickball. Yeah. But the cell block is is taking their, their show and putting it on you know MTV. Right? It's like, this is the big time. I mean, it is true also that, if nothing else, at TJ Fridays, the visibility is three rows of crowded people at a yeah. bar. Yes, that's what I mean. The cell they block... Are moving, they are moving from playing, like, local clubs yeah. to playing, like, a stadium show. The cell block is a virtual panopticon. Yes. It is a weird silo <laughs> where people stand in a, like, staircase on every bit of wall. And, and everyone can on see the bar. Yes. It's, it's, and there's only one bar. Yeah, I mean, and it is all the way downstairs. Yes. I mean, it, no matter where you're standing in the cell block, you can absolutely see the bar. It is like a nuclear <laughs> silo. It's basically a nuclear silo with a staircase all the way down. I mean, it's like a, it would be the perfect place for a dinner theater. Yes. Which yeah. is... Uh, well, but it's themed like a prison. <laughs> so, so, I mean, they are going to have less freedom, but they will gain basically better visibility. <laughs> what much better? I mean, both are in a very good location. I imagine this probably isn't too far in the Upper East Side. I think they're still in the Upper East Side. But we do, we do have an establishing shot. We could try and pick that apart. I. It's it does not seem like a location shot, shot though. It, it was the, on the, cars, the cars. The cars. <laughs> The cars coming up to the side of the building, I mean, they could shoot that anywhere. That doesn't have to be shot in New York. Sure, it's probably shot in Toronto. Sure, that's where everything's shot. That's where everything's shot. That's where everyone is shot. Uh, but yeah, it's they. everything here is about the performative aspect of being seen by people you wish to impress and really nothing at all about food service. Sure. I mean, which is to ask you, at this point, would you enjoy the movie much more or less if it was about just... Meat and potatoes, food service, and that people, like, which to say, kind of like a Taco Bell, you know, instructional video on how to best deliver food to people <laughs> in the minimum number of time, with basically minimum number of errors, and best of all, using in-store ingredients. <laughs> I mean, would you say that this would be a a uh, would that movie work? No. Is that because people want to see people performing and not really people making food? Yes. People do not want to see Tom Cruise make exquisitely crafted drinks. People want to see Tom Cruise stand on the bar and recite poetry. Consider the movie Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Yes. People do like seeing Jiro make sushi. If this movie... You're not wrong about that. If this movie was... Was the Jiro Dreams of Sushi for the cocktail world? Yes. If it's about flair bartending, and it's about him really perfecting (laughs) the flair of the flair bartending. Because, I mean... It would not have been as commercially successful. How much of Jiro Dreams of Sushi is performative? 
Because uh, he's a I question. Mean, yeah, there's performance there. I mean, that's uh, part of fine sushi making is a performance aspect. Here's a question: Is it yeah. really necessary when you're getting started in the sushi world to just wash rice for like years? Yes. Is that just about basically making sure that you're willing to be broken by the system? Yep. It's like it's it's <laughs> or the it's well or human washed rice <laughs> is that much better? Well, someone's got to wash the rice. I mean, can you build a machine to wash the rice? No, not that rice. <laughs> I mean, is this the kind of thing like people buy an expensive wristwatch made mm -hmm. by people that yeah. cost a fortune, and it's worse than a watch that's made in a cheap factory? No, no, no. They would they, they wash that rice really well. You can make a machine that washes. No, not like that. Not like that. Well, one day you will. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna have the deep blue of of rice washers someday. Uh huh. And AI is gonna perfect it and give you only the best quality rice washed to a tea. Uh, I can't first, wait. I mean, first chess, next go, third rice washing. Good. Just just watch me. Okay. I, I'm, I'm putting a bet on one dollar. One dollar. One dollar is gonna be an AI powered rice washer that that beats people within twenty years. Beats humans at rice washing Within that's 20... a long-term bet did you take it <laughs> sure okay we're we bet one okay i i bet there would not be a ai powered rice washer yeah okay well, i mean there's i'm sure there's machine rice washers but in terms of one that is actually designed to use artificial intelligence to beat human rice washing no i don't think that will exist anytime soon i think soon. it's a sequel to zero gen sushi but the main point here is uh, it's do androids dream of electric sushi i mean there's a lot of movies being made about like people trying to make it in stardom mm. and this movie basically takes a lot of that which is people with a literal star on paper with a little star on paper but it takes the old people on stage and mm. singers and actors yep. and it just puts them on a bar yeah. but they're mostly doing the singing and acting thing and uh, not singing dancing well, they're not really singing. I mean, really. I guess they are kind of mouthing along with the music. There's a there's a lot of singing. They're singing before Addicted to Love. They are also making drinks, which yeah. they then drink. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, no, they yes, they're those are their drinks. They're cheering. They they cheers each other at the end with the drinks, and then Tom Cruise starts sipping it. So it must be the end of the night. This is not the end of the night. No. No, that guy goes to bed at midnight. Mr. Cellblock. Mr. Cellblock goes to bed admirer. at midnight. Yeah, I'm okay. positive. This is a right. earful of cocktail on Case Issue Stanford. Uh, Unless you're, you're listening on the podcast, then it's not. Yes, it is. Then it's right in your podcast. Uh, and, uh, yeah, this is the number one uh, pod, uh, podcast about cocktails. About Should cocktail. we talk about the Cellblock? We have an hour. Let's talk about the Cellblock. Okay. This is where all my notes happen. Um, okay, first of all, we get there very quickly. It goes from, you. I want you working for me, to they're in the cell block in a snap. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, we see establishing shot in the alleyway. We see the, uh, the the door with the name cell block, and there's vertical stripes. Interesting thing, the, on the door, the logo is cell and then block beneath it. On Tom Cruise's shirt, it's cell block as one word, no space, hmm. written horizontally. Interesting. Is, is it weird they vary their logo between the bartender's shirts and the side of the building? I mean, you have multiple designs. I guess like, so. like a baseball uniform has like design one, design two. I think this is this follows. Sure. Okay. Uh, I, I need to look at how it's written on his shirt. I mean, it's written like a name tag on his shirt, which I okay. guess that makes sense. Is kind of you know, but wouldn't it be oh, his I name and not just the word cell block? Yeah, actually, you're right. The, the branding is very disparate. Yeah. Very disparate. It's uh, a little weird that it says cell block and not his name on his shirt, but. Well, maybe he changed his name to cell block. Sure. 
<laughs> it's possible. Briefly. So just for the scene. So we talked a little bit about the fact that uh, so far, uh, this bar, is it's a weird setup. I'd say if nothing else, this bar, unlike Friday's, no food service. This is... Doesn't a, appear to be any, no. I mean, I do not think you're getting food here. No, I Well, it's so crowded, you could not eat. I think everyone here is getting drinks. Yep. There is apparently just one bar. It's on mm -hmm. bottom floor. And how many levels of staircases are here? Uh, it looks four? like at least four. Four, at yeah. At least four. And very narrow staircases. <laughs> I, I mean, I would say if everyone here is getting a second drink, let's just imagine. Yeah. How long is it going to take for both... Coglin and Brian Flanagan to serve everyone in this bar their drink and for them to return to where they are in the place. I'm not saying they're doing it at the same time, but just what um, is the overall turnover? I would say at least two hours. At least two hours. Yeah. At best. Even if he's doing quick drinks. Yeah. And I would say just in normal behavior, getting up and down this place looks like a nightmare. Yeah. It's narrow staircases. Also, and you have to walk around to get to the very top of it. It's like MoMA or something. It's a, it's a big... Yeah. Also, there's no service entrance behind the bar. The bar is oh, just an island. <laughs> yeah, the bar is just like there. And yeah. so I don't know where all of the like, I mean, I don't know where the, the prep work is happening. I don't know where the, you know, dirty dishes are going, like, you know, any of that stuff. I it's mean, You could say that for as little as Fridays. There might a, be a door below the cell block logo on the right side. But then there might be a trap door for all we know. A trap door. Uh but as for as little as Fridays is really about delivering kind of a really efficient throughput of food and drinks, this place just does not care at all. No. This place this is, place is about theming. This place is at least five hundred percent less And entertainment. It must have a really high cover charge. That's to make everything balance, either that or the bar is meant to be a loss leader. Yeah. One because either the person running it doesn't care, which sure. I think is likely. Yeah. Or it is a way to advertise other venues, like yeah. other other endeavors, other things. Yeah, it sure, is, it's, maybe. It's basically a billboard in bar Like form. poetry. And that is a weird thing about this bar. This bar is, is largely a, about poetry readings. It's a bar where anyone can instantly get command of the entire place <laughs> and start a, reciting poetry. It is a bar where it starts off being, I think, fairly loud. Uh, well, powerful stuff is playing, yeah. Which, let's mention this. Is it weird... That it is a par a bar targeted in the late '80s in New York City toward to hip youngsters, yeah. And it's playing a blues rock song. Yeah, that's a little weird. It's I think very weird. Maybe and, that's an ironic thing. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it kind it works because I think, I mean, what would be what would be the right thing at the time? Um, I mean, the thing is in the Michael 80s, Jackson. I, I mean, you imagine, like, it is the same time period as American Psycho and all that. And everything in that, the American Psycho uh, protagonist... Beastie uh, Boys? No, he's very into Huey Lewis, Whitney Houston. Whitney he, Houston. He cares primarily about sonic fidelity. He cares about how good his sound system is. Sure. And he, I mean, in the book itself, he writes uh, effusively about basically very kind of uh, talking about the themes of songs and how they're powerful and how it's you know powerful stuff and well pr well produced uh, but we do see this too and this bar largely oh there's a huge line outside to get into this bar but the VIPs get to skip the line both songs by the way reflect literally what's going on there the hippie hippie shake is about them 
just having fun and shaping, shaking their hips around at TJ Fridays. But when you are in the world of yuppies, it is about power. Sure. And and the stuff that they carry. <laughs> so, okay, so th- let's talk about this yuppie. He walks up the stairs with a briefcase the in yupp- his hand. He's got a briefcase in his left hand okay, so let's and describe- then a piece of paper in his right. The yuppie is dressed far differently. Most people in this place are dressed in leather. Yep. Most people in this place are looking hip. He is dressed in a conservative three-piece suit with a polka-dotted yellow tie. He has carefully pomaded hair. Uh, he, he's one large the, glasses. Large glasses. Uh, he, he is he is one of the kind of wormy uh, uh, nerd yuppies of the 80s. Yes. yes. Uh, which is, I think, one of the two ways. You have bro yuppies and, and, and worm yuppies. Sure. Uh, the actor, by the way, uh, Kelly Connell, uh, guess his age at the time this is filmed. Mm, 29. Uh, you're closer than I would have been. I want to guess on the higher side. He's 32 years old. Oh, okay. But I mean, here's the thing. When you when you dressed like this, yeah. you are trying to look much older than you are. And that's, yeah. that's kind of the old style business person is you try to look older to look more esteemed. And that is what a yuppie is. Yeah. So he is a young urban professional. A yuppie. A yuppie, if wow. you will. Uh, so, <laughs> but he instantly gets command of the entire bar, which is very large. <laughs> By raising his hands. I mean... He, he raises his hands slightly. Yes. And then everyone gets quiet, and he gets to start talking. As an audience viewer, we we see his attention because we see the frame limited to him walking up the steps. So we see that, okay, he gets command of the bar because we pay attention to him. Sure. But being someone in the bar... Being someone in the bar... You would never notice him. I mean, what, was the spotlight on him as he was walking the bar? Well, they cut the music. <laughs> yes, they did. They... Is, does they mean Brian they, Flanagan? They, no, uh, yeah, he must be working the shore at this bar as well, yeah. <laughs> this place probably has a this separate place shirt place has to have a DJ. Yes. I mean, it, it's like, look at this place. I mean, look at this place. Look at this place. This is a place with a DJ. Yes. So it does have spotlights, but it has lots of spotlights. There are spotlights all over the place here. When, and the spotlight is part of the theming. Yeah. The yes. theming is it's a prison. Yes, it's a poetry prison. I never actually, I said panopticon just the way it is. Is it it may actually literally be trying to be a panopticon. What's a panopticon? A panopticon is one of those prisons people had. You should look it up. It's a prison uh, where all the inmates watched each other. And Oh. A, oh, where it's like a bunch of Yeah, so Type of institutional building and a system of control designed by the English philosopher and social theorist Jeremy Bentham. Yeah, and if you look at like photos on the inside, it's like a silo. So yeah. take a look at the image search if you could. Yeah, that this is what this is. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Okay. Yeah. And that's kind of what's going on here. Interesting. Um and yeah, so in the spotlight is basically. So, wait, this was designed by a philosopher, but they actually built them? I, I think we start making mistakes when we stop letting our philosophers. The don't. panopticon must not be understood as a dream building. It is the diagram of a mechanism of power reduced to its ideal form. I want to see Slavoj Zizek uh, design a prison. I think that's what we need today. Uh, but, yeah, so everything is prison themed. They're wearing, at least the, the employees are wearing striped uniforms like they're old-fashioned prisoners. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and... It's 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 a weird place to be. Would you like to be at this bar? Um, Even bars with heavy theming, I will notice. In the real world, if you go to a tiki bar, that is a place that has very heavy theming. Yeah, but it does pleasant. have it does have good throughput too. Uh, it does, but it has but the theming is also pleasant. So as opposed to being in prison, as opposed to a prison theme, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything about it seems somewhat unpleasant in this regard. 
Yeah. Uh, but and here's the thing too. So this this fellow seems out of place. He almost seems like a plant. Would you say that he is someone who is just another customer who is doing this organically, or should mm, we believe that he's he's staffed by the bar to to be a poetry interlude? Yes. In the middle of the people's. Well, this is a very high concept bar. Yeah. I mean, here's a question, too. How much of this do we take as a literal thing, and how much do we take as basically a surrealistic kind of, you know, impressionistic uh, experience of what it's like, but something which does not actually literally reflect? Because everything so far has been more or less literal. Yeah. And then we're taken to this weird dreamscape. <laughs> I mean, it's it's it doesn't ever feel like it it's not weightless in a way that a strange bar in a david lynch movie is yeah it has a certain realistic weight to it like it's well, just it's, a it's, weird i theme mean bar. yeah this is like weird theme bars could have i mean we're probably a thing in the 80s yeah i mean yes. a thing now too in I, some ways i mean the question is in the movie does this reflect oh wait wait, wait. watch the spotlight yes that's what i'm saying okay there is a single yes yeah okay okay so that's then what, yeah. so that explains how he gets attention but then the question is, is this... <laughs> the spotlight's this... always moving around, though. Well, but... And then it focuses on this it one guy. It helps explain it. It helps explain it. Yes. Maybe there's a Jumbotron as well, somewhere. But if this was a movie, which was, I think, more surrealistic throughout, I yeah. think it would say this is something... It, this, totally, It's yeah. about the dreamscape of what New York is like in the way the movie is like yes. this. I think is this is a ridiculous high-concept bar, and we're seeing reality through our eyes. Yes. Uh, well, it is interesting in terms of like what we mentioned earlier of people taking the, the Hip Hippie Shake scene literally as a, oh, this is what bars are like, you yeah. know, or what bars should be like. Like Ebert. Like Ebert, Roger yeah. Ebert. Originally. Yeah. Versus this, which is, or I mean, it's it's weird that those, these two scenes are right next to each other and you would interpret one literally and then this be like, oh yeah, this is this ridiculous, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, the amount of inspiration to say you're, I mean, this is why I really love the direction this movie goes. First off, let's talk about the velocity here. Yeah. We are having this weird hippie hippie shake scene happen and then it says I want you to work for me and there is just a moment yes. we're at a new bar new everything <laughs> yeah. the whole world is dead yes. old world is left behind yeah. new world is happening no more DJ Fridays this movie is dense with <laughs> just it just, moves this yeah, movie moves drop of a dime yeah. which is everything is flipped on its head <laughs> which is I don't know if I can really say overall the movie works on every level but it is so <laughs> intensely weird that yeah. I really love so much of it there you go uh, and, and, and you didn't think you'd like it when we started this journey yes well I mean I what I don't we like are about in it, the I best parts about, of it right now <laughs> I think that's it's, true. it's very front-loaded it's but a front-loaded film it is an a, FLF but maybe we'll find out the back half's better maybe we will never know uh, but my point here is, is let's talk about the bottom line. <laughs> let's talk about the bottom line. Uh, I mean, if you were writing a scene about a bar, say, yeah. okay, let's change your book about the bar world mm. into a movie, yeah. would you think to make a weird dueling poetry scene be a big part of it? If I was Haywood Gould? You would. I would. And that's why this movie... That's it, why we it, didn't write this movie. <laughs> and we are trying to write a sequel to Convoy. Uh, it's it's going well. Do you think the amount of weird inspiration is is happening? Yeah, 
I don't know. I it's mean, happening, I, and I'm killing it. I, that's the thing. I'm tr- <laughs> I, I feel like I'm trying to. I, I maybe I'm I'm trying to be more. I'm of, trying to write a straightforward sequel to Convoy. <laughs> You're yeah. trying to write something else i think maybe i am being i am being guided <laughs> by the, the direction haywood gould took sure. the movie yes. cocktail okay i mean he wrote 30 scripts yeah I, mean, I hope every one of those drafts is kept in some <laughs> sort of university library or something because they absolutely deserve to okay so the yuppie he he has a poem whether or not does it matter whether or not he is a plant or a customer who either just feels it or this is kind of a thing they do. I think it's a thing they do. They search the audience for someone using the spotlight. <laughs> they focus on that person, and that person is expected to recite a poem. You, you will note that after he starts the poem and then he ends it, what do the people start chanting uh, in, in the bar? Um, after, well, right as he starts it? No, or? after he stops. Oh, Poetry, po- more, more po- poetry, more, more, more poems, poets. more, more, more well, poems, more poetry, more poets. Uh, let's see, let's see. Like that, more uh, po, more poems, more poems, more poets, more, more po- poets, more poets, more poets. Well, yeah. that's what people want in a bar like that. In a place for Tuesday Fridays, you just say, do it, do it. Yeah, these do people, it, do it, do it. These are, are higher class this, people. This, it, they want in poetry every way. Yes. And All right. So the yuppie comes up and he has a poem called the bottom, the bottom line. The bottom line. Wonderful poem. I have this. I have uh, the script right okay. in front of me, so I can read this. Do you All want right. me to do this? Yes. Okay. So he comes up, uh, and he says, "I am the world's first, first yuppie, yuppie poet." poet. And, and then uh, there's some doubts about that. Yes. Uh, yep. There's uh, lines of, of of basically calling out him of of let's just say a BS as it were. Yeah. Are called out by. Brian Flanagan and Coughlin from the bar, <laughs> which I guess is this kind of like... It's the, familiar faces expressing an opinion on this guy, which I think is just what this is trying to do, is ground they, the dislike for this guy. Are they calling shenanigans that he's the first yuppie poet? Are yeah. they saying that's actually an, un, an un, untrue claim? Uh, I... It is weird. It's a little weird. Um, let's listen. Poet. So that is that is them. They seem upset, but is this kind of like a restaurant where they're like, "This is the rudest waste stuff." You know, our waiters are gonna be rude to you, and like, "Oh, this is part of it." Is that the way they're antagonistic due to their job profile? I mean, in the concept of this, everyone is in prison. They are prisoners. Yeah, they have actual prison jumpsuits everyone yeah. else is free are you playing the part of the guard and like you are actually holding them in their s- special cell <laughs> it's who, who is who in the theme of this restaurant i i don't think um i don't think the theming goes that far i think the idea is you think that they're the only prisoners but you realize everyone's a prisoner yeah. i think that's actually what goes on here uh this poem is entitled the bottom line uh, someone uh, just immediately shouts out uh, a criticism to him. Do you hear this criticism? This this kind of uh, this this insult hurled at the first Juppie poet? Um, no. Stick it in your Volvo. Yes, that's right. Stick it in your Volvo. Yeah, he does look like a guy that drives a Volvo. It, is a Volvo still as Yuppie cred today as it was? No. That's what I think was kind of funny. In the 80s, Volvo was a Yuppie car. Yeah. I mean, I'd say right now, Beamer still a Yuppie car. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um... I mean, Beamer's ultimate yuppie car. Well, what else is up there? I mean, right now, Tesla. Yeah. Um, I mean, but that's only 
I don't know if that's true in every. Do do do, Vol do Wall Street guys drive Teslas? No, not as much. There's something specific about Volvo, which is like the practicality of it. It's a, and like efficiency it's of a, it. It's a Swedish car, right? Yeah, it's a Swedish car. Very safe car. Yes. Right? And I think all that kind of wraps into this like you're not only you don't only want like a nice on the nice end car, you want like a very safe car because you're a very safe person that doesn't take risks. But was this like something like like a life hack at the time, like brown eggs? Yeah. When people like when everyone had white eggs was like, hey, here's a life hack. Get the brown eggs. Sure. They're the same price, but they're what the knowledge people have. And at the sure. time, was Volvo like an like an unknown yeah. secret? Uh, not unknown, but I think it was like, and well... Then, and then they're big Yeah, there's the an Yuppies. aspect that there's also an aspect of you are someone who, you know, cannot handle risk in, sure. in the world. And so you, you know... You have risk at the office, and then you have a safe life outside the office. Mm, sure. You, you live hard, and then you play hard. And by play like hard, you drive a Volvo. Uh, so, okay, I'm so, just, just going to yeah, read the poem. Read the poem. And, and I'm not going to read the lines they call out. This sure. is just the poem. Money isn't everything, they say. Okay, so what is? Sex? Did you ever make love to a pauper? P.U. Revolution? It takes money to overthrow the government, you know. Art? The more it costs, the better it is. And that's the bottom line good poem <laughs> i mean it sounds like a poem that a businessman would write yeah it does uh the meter is not i'd say perhaps it's not the most solid meter. established no it doesn't really have a meter no it's free verse yep i mean is it the funny thing here that poetry readings at a bar is like a greenwich village thing it's a thing that you see like beats doing sure in the, in and here you got a yuppie trying to participate i mean it's and it's, not doing very well at it I, he, everyone loves it. Everyone is into it. Yeah. So that is the poem. Weirdly, at some point, someone expl exclaims, "Better than sushi." Well, that that's that was what I'm gonna add too. So the poetry reading here is not only about the text, yeah. but it is about the back and forth. Yeah. Uh, the call and response as yes. And the be better than sushi is another dig at him, right? No, no. He says, "Okay, what is sex?" And yeah. someone immediately yells out, "It's better than sushi." It's better than sushi. Money? Sex, or no, no, sex, sex is better than sushi. He says, what's better than money? Sex? And say, well, sex is better than sushi. That's what someone says. It's a wisecrack, mainly saying that, well, look at you yuppies. Yeah. You're obsessed with all these kind of sushi. cultural, like, cultural identity, uh, you know, things like sushi and saying, sure. well, you know, you sex is better than what you care about, i.e. sushi. I see. So I think part of it is kind of combating the the thesis of his poem which is saying money is king and they're saying like well what do you get with it sushi yeah you spend it on, i see okay, you spend on fair. frivolous kind yep. of fancy yeah, things yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and they're just making the claim sex is better than sushi okay that's what they're saying there you go and uh yeah very very quick response almost as though this is something that's established that, people that he do just regularly. comes in and recites this this exact poem every i would night. not be surprised i'll say but, okay so the next one is did you ever make love to a pauper? P wait, wait. Just real quick. Can you imagine the, like, at a, at a specific time every night, this yuppie poet guy comes in and recites this exact poem? Kind of like the Enchanted Tiki Room? Yes. Yeah, it's like that. There's, like, an yeah. existing show that just happens in this bar. It seems a lot <laughs> like that, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's which doesn't really exactly fit with the, uh, with the, with the prison theme, but it's something. So he says, uh, 
Did you ever make love to a popper? P.U. Yeah. Someone immediately jumps out and says, I don't remember. I'd rather hump a camel. Oh. Which is interesting. Very, very, very quick. Yeah. Uh, and then there's finally one. It's, it's like people ad libbing in Rocky Horror or something. You're yes, not ad libbing. Exactly. People, like, they call them response stuff in Rocky Horror. Because one, yeah. it's unacknowledged. Yeah. Like it's something people do, but nothing is like deeply felt. Yeah. He's not responding. He sits very stoically, yeah. placidly letting this happen. Yeah. Um, and then the people around them, they just yell this out on cue perfectly for really n- no actual interaction. The last thing he says is. Uh, uh, revolution takes money to overthrow the government, you know. And actually, I'm not sure I hear this, uh, but this is in the this is in the line. Someone says, mm. "Whoa, that's deep." <laughs> that's <laughs> which is, good. Which is good. Uh, and he says, "Art, the more cost, better it is." That's the bottom line. And that's the end of the poem. And a successful poem. Uh, should we yeah. bra- should we break down his claims here? Um, yes, yes. So what he is saying, though, is someone who says. You know, life isn't about money. Money isn't everything. There are things that you can do without money that are rewarding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the three things they say are sex, revolution, revolution and art. art. Wait, that's uh, Is that a thing? Is that like a phrase? I sex, mean, art, revolution, like, rock. Say it's sex and rock and drug, sex and rock and roll. That's the phrase. You need money for drugs, though. And rock and roll. Depends on who you know. Yes. Uh <laughs> But it's actually weird because, you know, love and art are things people say, well, that's more important than money. money, And it's outside of money. And then he throws revolution, which is really not... It's a weird one. It's not really a something you enjoy without money as much as a way to combat money, as it were. And he's saying that... You need money to to overthrow the government. Which is true. I mean, I I, like the Bolsheviks or something. Were they well-financed? I don't really know exactly. I mean, you need some financing. I'm not sure you... I mean, I think if you really are overthrowing the government, one is find a government that's easy to overthrow. Sure, yeah. Which is a good start. <laughs> I think that if you're overthrowing the U.S. military, you have your work cut out for you. Yes, you're going to need some money. If you're other places, I think maybe you rob and steal, but I think there are people who finance revolutionaries, and that's a thing, too. You need to... Back- I think most revolutions were financed in some way. Yes. I mean, you know, they needed to buy supplies and, you know, weaponry and whatever, right? I mean, yeah. like, it's, no, well, yeah. I, I mean, actual wars are mostly about supply lines. Sure. And revolutions can either be kind of just very bottom-up things or they can be very, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the main thing is I don't really get his point there. No. But okay, moving on. But he says love, or sex in this case, Yeah. it isn't, you know, if you're poor, it's not going to be a pleasant experience. That is his. That is his claim. But I mean, this is him thinking about a rich person having sex with a poor person, right? He was like, "Have you ever had sex with a pauper?" No, but whatever, he says, right? like, "Imagine being poor. Would you still enjoy sex?" No, you wouldn't, because you would be. You would be dirty. Because everyone would be everyone dirty would be and, smelly. and smelly. Okay, all right, fine, whatever. That's a, that's a claim that like uh, George Orwell made uh, when he was talking about you know his on Wigan Pier. Uh, saying it's like, here's the unpleasant truth about the lower classes, which makes it difficult to really have true egalitarianism, the lower classes smell. Hmm. And that's, okay. I mean, and he meant that as someone who really, you know, cared about egalitarianism, hmm. but he viewed that as a very real challenge for someone who kind of came from snootier up. It was, it was hard for him to take. Hmm. Uh, and then finally, art. And then the art, I feel, is kind this, of... His point here is not well made. Is, I mean, I'd say it's the worst point to make of all yeah. of them, <laughs> and he makes it in a very begging-the-question way yes. of saying, 
the more it costs, the better it is. Yes, which is as if he is just looking for a fight here. I think this yes. is the one that's clearly just provocative. I mean, all of them are pretty provocative, but I this mean, one's just... He is just trying to ram a spear into these people's lifestyle. Exactly. I mean, I'd say great poem, not a great argument. Not a great argument. Sure. Okay, we are, we're limited on time. I think we should move on to... Well, I wrote down, when does a bar ever chant more poems over and over? It's <laughs> really what good. Um, uh, so I think we should move on to Tom Cruise's poem. Yeah, so that yeah. was the that was the first yuppie poet, and he yeah. introduces the last barman poet. Yes, which is kind of Brian Flanagan. There's there's one sun rising, which is money and business. There's one sun setting, which is the bartender. Yeah, yeah. Even though that really if you look not at the movie, true, yeah. the bartender seems to be in its sentence. Yes, uh, but in this case, um, and he has a drink, uh, a, a series of drinks, and his poem is just drink names, which is fantastic. Yes. And I have them all here, and I looked up the ingredients for all of them. Okay. And so we're going to do a quiz. We did some of them before, but let's go through yeah. it. Okay, but, and just... Before that, um, one quick thing. Um, throughout the whole speech, you'll see Flanagan is holding Jim Beam the whole time. He is. And there's an, heart. an online comment from one Chris Milligan. Yes. It's just a person. And Chris Milligan says, by the way, that bottle of, of Jim Beam you mentioned Tom Cruise holds during the last Barman Poet poem is behind Cruise in almost every scene with him that he is behind the wood. Behind the wood being behind the bar. Huh. Let's listen in. I am the world's last Barman Poet. Well, we're just repeating yourself. Okay, fine. Um, I, I could read it and you can chime in yeah. if you go through more details. Okay. Okay. I see America drinking the fabulous cocktails I make. America's getting stinking on something I stir or shake. So, uh, there is, I, is it fair to say that it's not worth dissecting any of his poem except for the last couple lines other than the drink names? I mean, there's just basically no meaning here is what I'm saying. I mean, I it's just like people are drinking, I'm making drinks. I think we should talk about it holistically, but really is line to line... Just basically, as a poem, it's it's essentially worthless. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I don't really feel like it, it does not merit a close reading. Yeah, I think the last line does, but we'll get to that. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's see. The Sex on the Beach. Okay, Sex on the Beach. What's that got in it? That's a, that's a famous 80s thing. Uh, very. Sex, sex on the Beach, I, I, I have not seen... Is that like cranberry juice and like peach yep. schnapps yep. And, and vodka? And one more thing. You got three out of four ingredients. Uh, that was pretty good. Pineapple juice? Orange juice. Orange juice. Yep. Okay, close. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's one of those classic. Yeah, you want to, you know, it, it's it's, it's a, a fruity. It's, it's a very eighties thing. That's true. That's yeah. less bad than most eighties things. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad, but then on top of it, I mean, peach schnapps is a very uh, dubious ingredient most yeah. of the time. Um, Speaking of which, and it has one of those names. It has one of those names, which is just like a big, it's very eighties drink name. name. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, okay, so then he next says, "The schnapps made from peach." So, quick quiz: What is this? This is peach it, schnapps. Yes, it is. Which is saying you can drink a cocktail made out of it, or I can, or you just, can just pour you. I can just pour you peach schnapps, and you can drink that, which would be great. That's which, very eighties. Drinking schnapps straight up is, is not fun. It's not something you want to do. Yes, the velvet hammer. Uh, no. Oh, is it the Velvet Hammer? That's I, the next line. Okay, so the I velvet. looked this up. I couldn't tell what he said. We talked about Velvet Hammer three Did episodes we? Okay, ago. Okay, because so I looked can... up a bunch of drinks that were something hammer, and the only one I could find that was close enough to what he said yeah. was Ball-Peen Hammer. No, we talked about Velvet Hammer a couple episodes okay, ago. Okay, I missed that. That was one of the things being talked about. If you remember the line earlier, uh, Ghibli's and Tonic and a Velvet Hammer. Oh, 
So, uh, okay, well then, so, uh, do you want to know what a ball peen hammer includes? No, rock, I do not. Rock and rye, vodka, and lemon juice. Ugh. I mean, it's basically it's a screwdriver, but with, with rock and rye already. That's weird. Uh, who knows? The anyway, Alabama slam. Here's okay. The Velvet Hammer. Here we go. No, we already did. No, we yeah, already it's, did that. Oh, it looks a lot like White Russian. I remember this. Okay. Anything we've done in a previous episode. Quantro, Tia Maria, half and half. We don't have time for this. Okay. All right. The Alabama Slam. Alabama Slamma. You ready for this one? What's this got in it? I do not know it all. This was in the Haywood Gould interview. Sure. And I can read you his quote. This is quoted please, from Haywood please, Gould. Please do. The Alabama Slammer. Slamma. Slamma was a disgusting variation of the slow, <laughs> comfortable screw, replacing the vodka with Wild Turkey 101 and the OJ with peach juice to make it completely Southern, which means we are three out of four for these drinks, be including peach. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the 80s. Um, so uh, the ingredients, uh, according to Haywood Gould, or his retelling, are slow gin. Everything has slow gin yeah. in, in the a, 80s. It's a classic. I mean, that's a classic. And the slow gin fizz is one of those classic kind of non-drinker drinks. Southern Comfort Peach Liqueur. Okay. Peach Juice. <laughs> and Wild Turkey 101. <laughs> okay. That's that's something. It, so the, and the Wild Turkey replaces vodka, you said? Yes. Wow. The, you wait, said wait, it was... So the slow, comfortable screw yeah. is the original drink. Sure. Slow being S-O-L-O-E, as in slow gin. Yes. But it's obviously a play on words. Okay, so next up is, I make things with juice and froth. The pink squirrel. Pink squirrel. We what's did, that got in it? We did that in a previous episode. We're skipping over Creme it. de noyo, creme de cacao, and heavy cream. Address just our cream, previous cream, 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 cream. The pink squirrel, the three-toed sloth. It's funny because he's using animals. It's funny. It is. It is. The three-toed sloth. What does that got in it? It doesn't exist as nope. far as I know. It does. I did not find... I think it was made up for the movie. He actually says... Doesn't he just say... Nope. This one uh, This one I found a, like what looked like a real recipe for it. I think at the time, it's one of those made-up names. Okay. I'm pretty sure it does not actually exist. What do you think it's got in it? I'd say it has uh, peach schnapps. Close. Peach juice. Nope. That's hard. You wouldn't get them. Apple schnapps. Apple schnapps. Oh, that makes sense because they, they you find apples like apple in the, trees. In the rainforest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, banana liqueur. Nope. Uh, pineapple Just, juice. I mean, what else could it be? Uh, apple juice. Apple schnapps. And vodka. The thing that's in everything. Vodka. No. Peach. Nope. Uh, the other thing that's in everything. Uh, creme de cocoa. In the 80s. No. Uh, I don't know. Slow gin. Oh, that's the, okay. And dark rum. And dark rum. Yes. Fantastic. Okay, keep going. Uh, I still say I think that that did not really exist at the time. I I, I found a recipe for it. You're right. It may be a, a post hoc at we know, Propter Hawk. We know that for the dingling, he just made it up so it rhymes. Yes. And I think he did the same thing for Three Toast Sloth. Okay. I make drinks so sweet and snazzy. The iced tea. The iced Quick tea. quiz. What's that got in it? I believe the iced tea is referring to Long Island iced tea. Oh, that's a good point. I just wrote down iced tea. I think I think the Long Island iced Long tea Island is what, he's, tea is what he's referring to. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm gonna yes. say Long Island iced tea. Yeah, yeah. That's, Which the that's Long good. Island iced tea is the famous drink made with a bunch of base spirits. Just yes. Yeah. It just excellent. I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, let's just. What do you think is in a Long Island iced tea? I'm looking it up now. Uh, it has it has it has like all the clear liqueurs. Is it? Oh, jeez. Is is it? It's it vodka Yikes. rum. It's yeah. not not gin though, right? Or is Gin is not. Yeah, it's just gin in this. Oh, it's gin in. Okay, is it all the clear ah, liqueurs? Yeah. Well, what other clear liqueur is there? Ah. And then do you top it off with like Coke to just uh. make it dark? 
It's triple sec, triple sec, light rum, weird. gin, vodka, tequila, tequila, sour mix. Yes. And uh, <laughs> cola. Yes, just to make it dark. And it looks Ugh. like iced tea. No, it's, it's a famously just the worst. It's a famously bad drink. It's a very famous drink, and it's a famously bad drink. Uh, the kamikaze. It's a popular drink and one that every bartender should know. <laughs> says, it's true. Says if, the if, spruce. If you work at a bad bar, I mean, you if you work at, well, if you work at any bar, you do need to know how to make a Long Island iced tea. But yes. Um, okay. The the iced have tea. Have I told about the bar in Seattle that refused to serve uh, someone I was with a uh, vodka Red Bull? That's great. Yeah. They said is- we don't make those here. That's fantastic. <laughs> it was quite good. I mean, is it, was the, did the bar seem like it had a lot of self-esteem in that sense? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. The kamikaze. Uh, um, the kamikaze, I know that's something my sister, when she was very young, had kamikaze mix, which is just like the ultimate in bad drinks. You just have pre-made mix to just pour vodka and go. It's yeah. a bright red drink. I think it comes with, is like grenadine. No. Nope. Is that where the red comes from? No. Nope. Where does the red come from? There's no red in here, as far as I see. Okay. And it's, I believe, a green drink. It's actually uh, in a. It looks mm. a lot like a gimlet. Interesting. Yeah. Just, just tell me. Uh, it is a vodka, triple sec, and lime juice. Which it's actually kind of like a like a basic drink. It's, I mean, it's similar to a gimlet. Like it. Yeah. We'll that's that a one pretty ba- uh, vodka, triple sec, and lime juice. Yeah, that's not crazy on the it's, face of it. It's very. No. It's yeah. I mean, the triple sec. Ideally, you'd sub that for something better. Yeah, um, we'll but, have to check out what's up with that. Yeah, uh, the orgasm. The orgasm. What's that got in it? We talked about this in a previous episode. Yep. So I'm gonna skip. Coffee, over. amaretto, and Irish cream. The death. Death spasm. spasm. Uh, the death spasm is the thing that he invented. talks about. He invented himself, Hayward Gould, and he put it into the movie. I have the quote from him. Please say it. Quote of Hayward Gould. Uh, The death spasm was a late-night concoction I invented featuring spirits that killed more artists and writers than Oblivion. It had gin, absinthe, and Fleischmann's rye, shaken very cold and thrown down in one shot. Sounds like something. Yeah. Gin, Uh, absinthe, and Fleischmann's rye, shaken cold and thrown down in one shot. It's also worth mentioning that when he says the orgasm, a woman in the crowd reaches up and grabs the inside of his thigh. Yes. Which leads Brian, Coughlin, Brian Brown, a.k.a. Coughlin, Coughlin to say, hands, hands off, off the, the merchandise. merchandise. Which, just to throw in more homoerotic sure. subtext, sure. he's very possessive of, of Brian. Oh, this. yeah. Uh, and then he says, the death spasm. And when he does this, Brian Flanagan bends down, kisses your hand. Yes. Yes. The Singapore Sling. That's a that's a classic real drink. drink. I'm sure the version that they were thinking of at the time this movie was made was a very bad version of the Singapore Sling. I offhand, I'm not sure I know everything that goes into it. The it's, Singapore it's, Sling, there's a lot that goes into the it. Singapore in Sling a properly was made one. famously invented at the Raffles Hotel yep. in Singapore. That's right. And uh, I think at certain points now they just have like pre-made. It's like an icy machine, just pouring. It's you, it's like it, a slushy, it, it's, it's a stupid g- thing. He'll make a, a daiquiri a, later in the movie that's similar in terms of just being slushy. But the original Singapore sling is a gin based extremely iced drink mm-hmm. it's gin and it's like uh, benedictine or yep, something that's two okay is do you also have uh, um kind of bl- i mean i imagine i mean one's lime, easy to, lime juice yeah fresh lime juice yep uh, that's in everything so and i'm i'm, I'm blanking anything else what tell me more um cherry hearing oh of course that's the, that's yes, the tricky that's, one that's yeah. a good one uh soda water yes and angostura bitters 
And Singapore Sling is going to be in your uh, Beach Bum Berry book. Yeah. Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. No, the, I saying. mean, the classic recipe of the Singapore Sling, where you're using fresh lime juice and you're making all of this, um, I, I guess you're shaking it? I've never had a Singapore Sling because I've never had cherry hearing on, on hand. Um, I I don't think I do either. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, you can, you can sub, um, uh, what is it? Um, uh, there, there's, there's something you can sub for it. I forget, but, yeah. um, some other, oh, cherry, would you possibly, would cherry you brandy or something maraschino? like that? Maraschino? Would maraschino No, sub? I don't think maraschino liqueur works. Okay. I think it's too sweet. Okay. Um, Singapore anyway, sling, Singapore which, Sling, that's a classic tiki drink. I mean, he's probably making it terribly. He's probably making an awful Singapore Sling. The dingling. The dingling is not real. We made it. We gets made a it great real. confused response. Dingling <laughs> from the bar, which is yeah. every flavor I've got. Oh, we missed oh, it. Oh, just missed it. We just missed it. Um, let's let's uh, read our version of the dingling. I'm on our website now. We have uh, so much, so limited time. The dingling, the- vodka, Kahlua, ouzo, creme de cacao, half white, half dark, Perfect. and heavy cream, and a Twizzler to garnish, and sprinkles. And, and sprink also garnished with sprinkles and a maraschino cherry. That's great. We still need to write our reviews for I know, that. And we need to make an app. We need to make a. We do need to write reviews. Yeah, we need to make. We need to drink the app. We need to do all sorts of stuff for this. Also, also a yeah, note to our fans, uh, the the fan community. Should we make a uh, cocktail well, recipe book of all our recipes? Well, that is our new plan, yeah, is to make a well, cocktail right. recipe book. Uh, I say right. it really should be very specifically about the, the movie field. cocktail. And you say it should be I say it should be just a, a bad cocktails book that is the well, novelty gift you give someone in your life who likes cocktails. And I don't think it's going to work. I think it's I a mean, great idea. I would say the problem is our cocktails are actually good. They're great. Yes. Okay, um, looking at all these drinks that are mentioned, a couple things that stood out to me here. Um, one is they loved cream in the 80s. Yes, they they want they may drink for people who don't drink regularly. Yes. Two, they loved schnapps, especially peach schnapps. Oh, that's very 80s, yes. And three, they loved slow gin, which was a little bit of a surprise to slow me. Slow gin's but... a classic. That was the thing, like, in the 40s, 30s, 50s, if you were a non-drinker, the slow gin fizz... Was mm. one of the classic things you do. It was, it was like the, I see. It was like the, the classic so non-drinker slow gin drink. And soda. Slow gin That's a very light drink. And a brandy Alexander. Oh sure, yeah, but brandy Alexanders can 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 really hit you. But they're made for people who want to go down easy. Yes, that's okay. what I'm saying. I'm that's, not saying it doesn't hit you. I see. Uh, one thing I want to note here too: uh, Gina Gershon, her character first takes note of him in the scene. Mm-hmm. From from the bottom of the bar, she's photographing. She's some. a she's a photographer. She also, I think, is photographing the yuppie poet earlier. There's at least someone mm, that's photographing the yuppie poet. Um, uh, okay, last final note here before we get on to other business. Um, uh, Gould, here's another quote from him sure. about reciting poetry on the bar. Please read. As far as stopping to climb on the bar to recite poetry, I did it myself. Also, my 300-pound quaalude-popping partner climbed on the bar to do a time step he had learned in tap dance class. The bartender ruled the roost in Soho bars and also uptown on the Upper East Side. We had no bouncers either. The manager had to help with ejections. It was a lot packed into that paragraph. It is also very interesting to note that this is the late 80s as... It, when Haywood Gould was in his prime bartending, this mm. was the emptied-out Manhattan of basically when everyone left the oh, inner city. Oh, to go city. to the suburbs. So it was mm. kind of the way that young people with ambition could really rule it mm-hmm. and do a lot of fun stuff because it was their playground. It was an yeah. emptied-out city. By the late 80s, the yuppies have come back and roosted. So that's the funny thing here is these people are just naturally more constricted in what they're able to do because they're now fighting over the territory. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, that's why people hated the 80s. Uh, hated yuppies in the that's 80s. That's why people hated the 80s. I, I love the 80s, but other people, they, they hated the, the, the 80s because the yuppies. So to finish the poem, yes. America, you're just devoted to every flavor I've got. But if you want to get loaded, why, why don't, don't you, you just, just order, order a, a shot? shot? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, um, that's good. Um, so I think the... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Don't know what happened here. Don't know what I'm looking at here. I would say don't, don't, don't say what's going on here. I'm not sure. We'll look that up off screen. I'm very confused. Well, one one okay. small note. One small note. Yeah. He says, "America, you're just addicted. Uh, you're just devoted to every flavor I've got." Yeah. Do you think that his experience is particularly American? Um, America, you're just devoted to every drink I've got. I mean, yeah, America is pretty devoted to to drinks. I'm always pe- has been, always people will. People talk about like the Europe drinking style, like is the more you know social drinking on weekends, binge drinking, very clubbable. Uh huh. That's a word I hear thrown around: clubbable. Clubbable. Uh, yes, and I mean that's what they do in in Europe. They drink hard, you know, once in a while, but they don't really they drink to be social. Sure. In America, people have historically drink to forget themselves. That's sure. just, that's the standard American way of drinking. Uh, forget what, about a life for a while. <laughs> exactly. Toronto. Sing us the song of the piano man. But what about what about Canada? Um, for a movie shot in Canada, is it weird they're referring to America in this fashion? Um, I mean, it's not set in Canada. It is, but it's kind of weird. What is particularly American about it as opposed to Canadian? Um, because that's always Canada is always the good like check against uh you know what's American with something because it's like the near America it's the off brand. Sure. <laughs> is this? I'm trying to prepare other things here. Sure. Um, is it not? Is it, is this episode five? Uh, yes. This, okay. This may not uh, be ready in the in the traditional fashion. <laughs> okay. Why don't you get it ready? I will get it ready. Okay. Um. Anyway. Uh. So. Okay. Any other notes on these five minutes or on, on the the um Tom Cruise poem before we move on to other segments? What are we doing? Uh, What's happening? I don't think I can get it ready easily. I think I'll get it ready in the in a very. Hmm, I don't know if I can do this easily. Okay. Well, then we're using this one. Yeah. I think we'll have to do that for now. All right. So. Um. Uh, okay, uh, we need to invent a drink. Sure. We well, need to rate these five minutes. We need to, first off, the most important thing is we need to discuss the meaning and the themes of this. Themes. So, okay, so first off, themes, they have basically taken away more of their freedom and now they're in a jail cell. Mm-hmm. They are, I mean, it's this is an explicit way of saying they have basically robbed themselves of personal agency in, 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 order in pursuit to, of success. In, in pursuit of success. Yes. Uh, which is, that's that's pretty, that's, that's pretty hard. Uh, I would say that it's worth noting that um, the yuppies, they kind of have a, a strange role. They are, you know, ruling the roost, as it were, in New York. They are the powerful working elite but really, they're just, they actually work. They go to a job as opposed to the fact, look at this money funneling in to this bar mm-hmm. made as a yuppie playground, you know, being controlled by secret admirer and certainly going out to extremely rich old money, money interests. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that you look at this, the yuppies are not really the ultimate source of wealth there. They're more of flashy, false wealth and not of anything that's really. They're a source of culture, though. 
and that's the thing. I think people, uh, the people are old money, they're invisible as far as culture goes. Mm. Uh, then, but they are the ones who well, really are the true masters here. For now. Yes. Uh, let's see. I think uh, it's when Brian Flanagan goes up and talks about why everyone looks to the barman. Is this a way of him speaking like a personal monologue to everyone? Is he really expressing his soul to everybody? Um, what what is what is really the no? I mean, the, I, his his speech is not an expression of soul in any way. Does he believe his words? His words are just a list of drinks. <laughs> Does he think he's actually producing something? Because he is saying, "I am offering you drinks." Yes, he is saying in a way, "I am offering you," you know, a source of. You entertainment? Know, a source of entertainment. I mean, here's a question that Tolstoy asked. Uh, famously, teetotaler to- yeah. Tolstoy. To- teetotaler to- Tolstoy. T-T-T, triple T. Yep. Why do men stupefy themselves? And he says, why do men drink? And his answer was, men drink in order to basically lower their moral standards to allow themselves to do immoral things. That's the reason that he morally became a teetotaler. Do you think, in here, why do the yuppies drink? Um... Are they Shoot. doing? Are they doing it partly to as to a form redeem? of entertainment? I think that's is that the that's could, could you read the same conclusion? Are they drinking to lower their moral culpability? If they actually knew that they're doing immoral things all the time, they would mm. not feel basically comfortable in their own skin. Mm-hmm. So they drink in order to basically distance themselves and to do things they would not really be be comfortable doing in sobriety. I could see that. I mean, and I think it's the thing. You talk about the, you drink for fun, but in this yeah. case, I think they drink in order to get a bit detached from their own sure. basic Sure, and then agency. he's at the end saying, well, just order a shot. Yes, I mean, not doing anything is not really an option here. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's I think with this crowd, it's a way of of, of, of basically uh, coping. I, I think that's I think that's what you see here. And in a way, they are all trapped in this weird in rat race. In, in the prison. In the prison. In the they're panopticon. In, they're trapped in the prison of the rat race yeah. of New York where they all watch each other. And they, unbeknownst to themselves, are also in the prison of the rat race in that they are chasing capital for, for reasons that they themselves could just simply be happy being bros. And wow. instead, they've sold out their freedom. There you go. I think I think that's I think that's a little correct reading here. I think that'll be a recurring um, thing too. <laughs> and that the movie runs for another hour and a half. Yeah, yes. Yes. All right. Uh, Good themes. Any other yes. notes on uh, uh, one one final note? Finding speech. Did I talk about like where Coglin wants money? Says he wants fame. I think he's he says I've already been. Famous he says I've already I'm, I've been famous for for ten, ye- years. for ten years. Yeah. Is that true? Give me the money. Um. Famous within the framework of TGI Fridays, yes. I mean, you think that he is saying he's he's the, his- he's the lead bartender at the flagship location for TGI Fridays. I mean, do you think that he is is right that he will not become more famous this way, or what? Oh, um, that the cell block. Well, no, I mean the cell block does seem to provide them with a larger audience. But will they get famous? Well, uh, Flanagan's going to get famous. Coughlin's not gonna. What is Goblin. the what is the what is the ceiling? What, is the ceiling being famous that you actually do something which isn't bartending? No, I think Coglin is saying I don't care about fame. Yes, I just care about money. That's what he says. Fame is a is maybe a, a means to to acquire money, but I don't care about fame for its own sake. So don't even talk to me on those terms. Yes, show me the money. But it's weird that he says that to his possible employer. Let's do the employer, hippie, hippie shake. Because one is the employer doesn't say I want to give you more money. He never actually agrees to that. And really, by Coglin's own 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 rationale, mm. he do, he's only going to get 
you know, he's going to get money by being secretly close to, 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 to people who have it. Sure. He, it's not through his employer. Sure. So maybe Carlin is saying... It's weird he says an employer. It's when weird he he's saying that, yeah, he's, well, I think he's, you know, he's putting himself in a good negotiating position with this guy. But it doesn't matter. Is the key. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Okay, nope. so I think that's I think that's our analysis right now, and then we okay. get to our uh, our special other parts of this, which it's are time for drink, drink the, the app. app. Hello and welcome to Drink of the App. Drink of the App. This is where we take these five minutes of, of cocktail and distill them, as it were, and that that pun definitely intended uh, to uh, to a drink. Uh, in which uh, you can capture the feeling and the meaning we've we spent, of Christmas of Christmas. We spent two episodes in a row where we've made basically a non-serious drink, which mm-hmm. is a bit unfortunate. Sure. Wow. Uh, we made one drink which uh, which uh, celebrated the uh, the death of Tom Cruise. Uh, he mourned, I think, is more appropriate. But yes, I mean, Finnegan's we, we, obit. We acknowledged it. Yes. And then we had another drink in which we uh, it was about sustenance. And, and combining the nutrients you need in the day mm-hmm. with the the, the pure, uh, the pure uh, I guess, alcohol, sure. as it were. So now let's I don't know if they're the joke drinks so much as rushed drinks. Well, actually, they just both came up organically. They did. Okay, so in this one right here. In this one, I think we need a drink we- called the Cell Block. Well, let's 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 decide it first and name it after. I mean, I think it should be inspired by the Cell Block. Okay. Um... Okay, but let's just say for what's called Untitled Cell Block Drink Project. That's what I'm calling right now. Okay. I would say if there's one thing I think is absolutely necessary here, Blue Curacao. Yes, this scene is full of Blue Curacao. Which we've yet to mention the fact this scene is soaked in blue. It's extremely blue. It's blue with lilac at the bar. And I mean, yeah, the, the, the bar is, 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 is bright, yeah. Yes. Is warm, you know, versus the cold... Uh, exterior. If, if you could get notes of purple in this as well, you, this could be a lilac garnish. Mm. I would say it's li- mm. lilac. Well, an or- well, what is the a thing? lilac? Like an actual lilac? We're not going to no, no, garnish you, it with you, a lilac. Well, what's the Aren't purple? they poisonous? Well, what's the, a morning glory? A morning, garnish yes. with a morning glory. Morning glory, yes. Garnish with a morning glory. Uh, <laughs> that is not a good idea. <laughs> I think it is. Okay, so... We, we've had a lot of drinks in here, but we're trying to capture basically the ultimate yuppie cocktail. Yes. Oh, the ultimate yuppie cocktail. What are yuppies like? They like poetry. Mm, that's, that doesn't translate to drinks. Yuppies like... Um, well, some things they don't like. They don't like revolutions, no, sex, no, or art. Nope. So They like those. money. They love it. Green. Should we make it blue and green? Yes, we should. Green cure so. <laughs> no. What about what? What is um, green? Kamikaze uh, Midori. Mix. Midori makes things green. What about kamikaze mix? <laughs> kamikaze mix. No. <laughs> Sour lime mix. juice will make things green as well. Not that green. Blue um, curacao and lime juice does but, not but, go badly together. Midori is this. Midori is bad. <laughs> it's pretty good though. It's Midori is bad. Well, Midori maybe is it's just good like is syrup. Maybe it's good for this. Ugh. Uh, okay, so I think part of this is how do you make something seem luxurious? And basically, something yuppies crave. Mm. Yuppie fuel. You add rye. You add rye. I mean, that is a thing that uh, Haywood Gould did to his drinks. Yep. He took things that are the traditional drinks of vodka, and he put basically rye or bourbon to, to supplant them. And we've yet to have one of those. Should we put wild turkey? Yeah. Okay, so this is wild turkey. Blue Curacao and Dory right now. This is it's, There's a lot going on here. As yeah, far I, as- I, I would... 
say no Midori. I'd say extra Midori. I th- <laughs> I'd say absolutely Midori. <sighs> okay. Yes. Wild Turkey, Blue Curacao, and Midori. Garnish the Morning Glory. This is not finished yet. We garnish with a, We cannot garnish it with a Morning Glory. We can garnish with a faux Morning Glory. Faux Morning Glory. <laughs> yes. Just like the uh, the nighttime is the false morning of yeah. the people. Morning okay. never comes when you're um, a yuppie in Manhattan. Uh, I mean, I would say we're just looking for all these. You talk about, he talked about the pink electric sign, mm-hmm. uh, the pink neon sign that's be flashing for and dreams. And that same dream is flashing at their bar. We're seeing this, this light from underneath shining pink up at them. You know, there's, it's, it's all pastel colors. You want to add something pink to this? I think so. What's something, <laughs> what about like a, what's, what's a pink schnapps? I'm uh, like a, peach schnapps is not pink. I don't think peach schnapps. No, is it's clear. Yeah, uh, schnapps is in general don't have color unless there's color added. Oh, want to want to try that again? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Uh, this is pink grapefruit schnapps. Oh no! I think oh, it sounds like no. a good idea. No, 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 no. Uh, what about? I mean, gra- oh, here we go. Rose petal schnapps. Grape <laughs> grapefruit juice. I- Rose petal schnapps. <laughs> This is pretty good. Okay. <laughs> this is this is Where are we going to find rose petal schnapps? Okay. Uh, We're, that's not an acquirable ingredient. Well, you can you can get it at this website. At Polyvore? <laughs> <laughs> Polyvore doesn't sell things. It's just a site that I don't know. Um okay. Uh How about grapefruit juice instead of that? How about extra of that? Um it's possible if they stop making this. Yes, we should not put rose petal schnapps in this drink. We could put actual oh, rose petals. You could. I'd be up for garnishing it with rose petals instead of a morning glory. Okay. Well, there needs to be schnapps though. So, okay. So let's see this. I'm gonna cut up the rose petal schnapps. Line, okay. Move it down into the garnish. But yeah. What are the peach schnapps? schnapps? Okay, peach schnapps. Wild turkey, blue curacao, Midori, and peach schnapps. Yes. What? Is there going to be like an artificial mix to to kind of talk about the artificial world of of of, of what what ro- roses lime? Yeah, and roses lime. Yeah, I like it. Okay, roses lime. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Now we need proportioning. Yes. Uh, an I'd say ounce. One, one and a half. One and a half wild turkey. Okay. Okay. Blue curacao. Uh, half. I, half. Or less. I'd say more, but. Okay, half. Half, half an ounce. Midori. A quarter. Half. <laughs> Peach schnapps, a half, a quarter, a quarter. Half. A half. Oh, God. Roses um, lime. Roses lime, a half. Half. Okay. That's uh, fine. One and a half wild turkey, one many, half blue how, curacao. How many rose petals? One, and five rose petals. How many false morning glories? One. Okay. <laughs> uh, I th- Okay. Now, finally, the title of this drink. It's, I think, yuppie something. So the... Um, the last... The last yuppie poet. Well, he was the first The first yuppie poet. What the last? What the first yuppie cocktail? The last po- yuppie cocktail? Oh, um. What at the uh, yuppie poetry? Yuppie. Yuppie. Uh. Yuppie poet's delight. A a yuppie's delight. A yuppie poet's delight. Yuppie po- no yuppie poets. It's too explicit. Yes, just um, just y- yuppie's delight is quite done. Yep. Uh, what about the fact that they're in prison? Well, oh, uh, yeah. yuppie on lockdown. <laughs> yuppie on lockdown. Yup. No. Uh, yuppie behind bars. Yuppie behind bars. Yuppie behind bars is a pretty good drink name. I'm actually all for this. Yuppie behind bars. 
Yes. Yuppie behind Yuppie bars. Yuppie behind bars. Okay, we got it. That we is got a, it. That's, that's a how you do drink. drink of the up. Drink of the up. Okay, we gotta we gotta move America here. Drinking. Sure. Oh, no. Well, look, I'll say this: yeah. because we don't have this ready, let's stick. Let's let's America's skip contact information this episode. Uh, we got everything ready. What don't we have no, ready? No, but contact info. Let's skip because it's not actually prepared for this episode. Oh, we'll just do it at the end. No, but then we have a, a an unfortunate branching situation. That's true. So let's just okay. skip it. All right. No, we'll save time. No contact. We do need to do flare in the air. That's the sound of flare. This is this is what a bar sounds like usually. That's exactly what a bar sounds like. Just bartenders pouring left and right. Um, okay, this is flare in the air where we rate this episode. We're gonna rate. Well, we we, 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 we take the veritable flare's eye view. Flare's eye flying view. Flying above the bar, looking down on the entire movie. Mm -hmm. So unlike most people who just look at uh, five minutes alone as a is a short film as you were we are gonna take the innovative step of judging the entire movie yes and this five minutes um okay <laughs> well, what, well, why what, what I'm you just looking for trouse hack okay um what no it's it's trouse not house what are you doing here found it Nothing. I'm doing nothing. Ignore me. Okay. Okay. So, um, we are uh, rating the movie as a whole as a whole. The movie yeah. up until this point. Yes. And then these five minutes. Sure. Okay. We're starting the movie as a whole as a whole. Ready? Three, Three two, two, one. Four two stars. stars. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I just feel like it still feels like I know what's coming. Yeah. I'll say actually, I'm, I'm actually gonna three stars. Wow. Nice. I think it's gonna okay. be a three star now. It's interesting how much variability there is in our whole movie scores. Well, you realize that the human memory is fallible. Yes, you do. Now, okay. Uh, movie, movie as a whole up until this point. Up to this point. Three, Three two, two, one, five stars. stars. <laughs> five, I say four stars. You say five stars. This episode was great. I mean, I do agree that it's it's actually pretty... I'll go to 4.5 stars. Okay. 4.5. Okay. Movies, these, uh, these five, five minutes, minutes. Just these five minutes. Yes. Three, Three two, two, one, five, five stars. stars. Very yes. good. Yeah, That's how you great, do Great, great five minutes. Flare in the air. And we right. skip contact info for these times. So no uh, info, but please you can don't get us contact us. No, at don't. Your, don't contact. Oh, we gotta write this tweet. We gotta write this tweet. Oh, you promised. Ah, real quick, real quick. You have, um, uh, you have fifty seconds. We're tweeting at Better Drinking. Okay. That's his. That's his Twitter handle. Hurry. At Better Drinking. Just right. We make run a. We run the world's most popular. Is this an at? Is this an at the beginning? Yes. Okay. Co good. Cocktail. Cockcast. Cocktail. <laughs> Cocktail podcast. Yes. And would like to interview Haywood Gould. Just FYI. Gould. <laughs> FYI. Could you put us in there? Can you help? Yeah. Or just talk about your experience. Would love to chat. <laughs> All right. I'm just tweeting that. Okay, good. All right. Please like and subscribe. Okay. All right, that has been episode. an earful of cocktail. <laughs> This here's the podcast crew. We're hauling up at 9.04.